NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called um, uh, the Lemus Kid. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Take it like a whip, leave. Um, a bit of advice instead of playing for the one. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Sam Northeast, 410 red ink, and that is the most important thing. Today, on today's show, we're talking England, South Africa ODIs. Ben Stokes's last ODI for England, for now, unless he fancies a little bit later on. What are the ramifications? What are the ramifications for all of us? West Indies, India, South Africa T20, ICOP, the BBL, Ray Rizwan, Baba Azam, Shahin Shahfridi, they're all in. Will the BBL be good? Will it be good? There's some more white ball stuff coming up for Australia, Zimbabwe, New Zealand, India. It's all happening. Australian women absolutely dominating Ireland and Pakistan over there. And Sri Lanka and Pakistan. Are you kidding me? Abdullah Shafiq, 160 not out. Red ink again in the fourth innings. One of the all-time great fourth innings. Innings. Have you ever got a hat-trick in your own, in, on your international debut? Nathan Ellis has. He's on the show, as is... Fatushina Hantharaja. Hashtag RCGC. Asks us, my daughter is shadow batting like Shibner on Chanderpool. Is this okay? This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. Uh, the new hoodie and the new tracksuit range in Australia. The new swimwear range in the UK. If you're gallivanting around the continent right now, throw on a pair of budgies and send us a photo. Tag us in on the Instagrams. We might share it, we might not. We will share it. But let us know. It's Budgie Smuggler. BudgieSmuggler.com. My name is Ian Higgins. Sam Perry and I are about to embark on a journey to India. Now, Pez, without revealing anything about being excited, uh, about being interested, uh, lest, you know, you be uh, ridiculed for revealing something and being vulnerable in that moment about liking something and, you know, being interested in something, are you excited to be in India tomorrow? Uh I, I, I'm in disbelief still. I'm in disbelief that uh, this humble little venture that was largely based on strange experiences with men a little bit older than us, like guys in change rooms chubbing up while giving a team talk out in the western yeah. suburbs of Sydney has somehow connected through to... Um, you know, a, a trip to Bangalore and a live show in Bangalore. Thank you to everybody who showed interest in 
coming to the show we're doing on Tuesday night. Uh, I believe it filled up in an hour, so we should probably investigate bigger venues next time, which is um, obviously a lovely thing for us. I'm very excited about it. We've had no shortage of uh, advice via YouTube comments, the best place to get advice as well about what to expect in Bangalore. We're just going yeah. with uh, you know eyes and minds uh, and rigs wide open. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited, yeah. mate. I, I did think the first time I saw my captain hold his penis during a team talk and then just sort of gel it in the motion just to get a bit more blood in there to make it seem bigger than what it was, I thought this, will, this for me in my life will end in me and one of my best friends going to India on a, on a, on a trip. Um, and that was to cure diseases. That's what I thought that was what was going to happen. But um, mm. turns out that disease was just cricket. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> so I don't know what I want you to do with that, but well, I'm just telling you that I expected it is what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> Sam Northeast played for the same club. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was home to the, yeah. the jelking captain that I was referring to. Uh, albeit, right, right. Albeit, albeit he played a few grades higher, a few grades higher. Right. Uh, and he pushed on. He pushed on. He pushed on. And uh, yeah, I guess we all, we all kind of, uh, caught the news last well, wherever you were, but for us it was last night. As it was going on, it was sort of click on a stream now and watch Sam Northeast make history. I, I, know, I don't know about you, but I jumped on the stream at about three hundred. He was on three eighty four or something like that, and there were about ten blokes on the boundary and uh, about, uh, which is strange actually because the keeper was standing <laughs> very far back and. Uh, it was bowling like wheels, <laughs> absolute wheels, and uh, oh, I lasted. I lasted a couple of balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Four four hundred and ten not out though. Um, I know you've got it here in the agenda. He goes, I, I, I caught it. You caught it. You look at these things. You're like, all right, what's the backstory to this? What are the backstories? <laughs> yeah, and, come and on. The, the, the standout quote was, "I had more nerves in the one nineties than the three nineties." And yeah. uh, I just think like... Yeah, there it is. Perfect. Look. Perfect. <laughs> look, the grade way of looking at a score like 410 not out is twofold, right? Mm-hmm. The first one is mm-hmm. any grade cricketer worth their salt looks at a score like that and immediately is looking for the yeah, but opportunities. It's like, well, Billy Root, first baller. Yeah. He yeah, got, yeah. He, you know, mm. he got a first baller. Mm. Um, Leicester but, it's, ma- but it's county twos. It says county two. Leicester <laughs> made 584. It's obviously a road, etc. Yeah, yeah um, it's pretty flat. And you're also yeah. looking for for people saying that, you know, they went on to win the game. So, you know, the idea that the win is is more important than the milestone as well. Um, and just going, well, that's that's yeah. been non-stuff, non-stuff at the same yeah, time. absolutely. But yep. I think when you make 410 cricket runs... Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say any in level, go. in one in, go, in one go, and it's undefeated at that. Y- mm. You earn the right to say more nervous in the one nineties than the three nines. <laughs> like, like that is part of the reward, you know. Yeah, but you as, know as that like, if you're the fielding yeah. team, though, Pez, you know that there was a close LB when he was on twenty seven. Exactly, and it was like, pfft. yep. Umpires stitches up like, again. It was fucking salmon. It was salmon on twenty seven. Are you kidding me? Someone dropped and it him. Was flat. In the nineties, you know, someone dropped him in the nineties, and they he's really punished that. You know, normally yeah, if you drop yeah, someone yeah. in the nineties, you're like, well, there can't be too much long left because <laughs> That's we right, all yeah. get out. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 
I just ha- I just can't. I've seen people tweeting that that four hundred and ten will be that much sweeter. Um, you know, now that they've won, as opposed to batting on and trying to beat Lara. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> And even Northeast kind of indicated that as well. Like Sam Northeast was born in 1989. He's th- he's 32. He's a millennial. Like we, we yeah. millennials, we, we want it all. Nothing's ever enough. He won't savor his 410 red ink in f- 10, 15 years time. Maybe a bit of arthritis knocking around, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. He, he'll spend the rest of his life thinking, I was just like, just I was just 90 away from yeah. being number one. You know, the moment yeah. ninth best first class innings. I'm just saying, it's it's good. Yeah, <laughs> let's, take it, let's take it away a bit. I mean, it's, it's top ten. Yeah. No, it's not. But it's not. It's not five hundred one. Lara, yeah. like it's not. It's not he's not going to. He's not going to. Like, like he's. I'm not sure his bat sponsor is, but not. They're not making Sam Northeast four four ten red ink bats oh, like they, the, the Lara five hundred one stick. Well, nah, not it's a good nah, number. No it's a good four ten. Is a very like I remember looking at Graham Hicks. Graham Hicks four hundred four, and just. Mm. Think, <laughs> It's a gargantuan number, four hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even. Uh, I was going to say it's not even three hundred. I'm sorry. I mean, like, this is happening <laughs> to me again. Seventy last time talking about Reece Topley's rig. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's it's astronomic. Um. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, mm. yeah. It's top ten. Mm. Yeah. It's good. I mean, as you say, though, it was flat, though, wasn't it? It was, mm. it was pretty, and sort of, and sort of. Lesser she was missing a couple of blokes, yeah, because um, they they had a wedding, yeah. Um, so there's a couple of academy guys in there, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I was yeah, happy I to see. Like, okay. they, they sort of they gave themselves enough time to to bowl Lesser out, and um, I thought Hogan and Nisa bowled quite well, four for and yeah. three for respectively. That's what I took from yeah. this game. I like the idea that um, in many years' time, like the the his four ten will be sweeter because of the win. Like, because let's say in twenty years' time, let's say in let's say in two weeks' time, um, when people are referring to this innings at the end of the season, perhaps where they're talking about you know great great individual performances, like yeah, what happened? Glamorgan win that game. They get the eleven point three two points for the batting the batting points. Yeah. They got, the, they got the batting points for that. Yeah. Was that how did that seven ninety five for five declared? Yeah. They, is that, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking toffs watching the cricket in a tie. Fuck off. <laughs> hey, uh, support for this show, Pez, comes from Patreon. Now we have made it to episode one hundred of hashtag Us to See Fighters, and thus, as a gift to our loyal patrons, we released the Hall of Fame, which went over three hours. We 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 asked the people out there, uh, what was the greatest Ask TGCs of all time? So many answers came in, and we collated the top twenty-five. We collated the top twenty-five Ask TGCs of all time, and it was a fucking riot putting it together because there's so many moments that I've forgotten about over over the years of doing this between the two hundred and two shows of this show, this here show, and the hundred. Patreon shows as well. Um, so if you want to listen to the Hall of Fame, um, many people have said they've they've been late for work because they've been crying in the car park. Uh, not sure if that was related to laughter crying. Yeah, listen yeah. to us, or that was just, that was just a, you know just an a element disclosure. of please, yeah, please don't let me go into work today. Mm. Um, but if you want to cry in your car or walking your dog or washing the dishes, hashtag ICDCFR is a Hall of Fame, a three part series at patreon.com forward slash great cricket. That's where you can get it. Um, Let's get into the uh, England and South Africa ODIs, Pez. The first ODI there was there in Durham, where South Africa won by 62 runs. Of course, it was Ben Stokes' last ODI for England. Um, until the World Cup, when he might sort of have a look at it, I guess. Um, but that was actually uh, South Africa's highest 
ODI score in England. They hit 333 for five, and then they restricted England to 271 all out. Van der Dusten hit 134 of 117 pills. That's his highest score in international cricket so far. Um, in reply, Joe Root hit 86 of 77. That's his 52nd score. Now, I read this in the agenda page. This is, a, this is some notes. But there's also a bit of stat dog stuff, Wolf Wolf. Um, but 52nd score of 50 or more in ODIs for Joe Root. He averages more than 50 now in ODI cricket. I didn't. I knew that he was an exceptional ODI player, but like, I didn't realize it was that good. That's fucking amazing. Averages now, obviously, 50-something in tests, 50 in ODI cricket. That's um, it's phenomenal. And on the losing side, so good stuff to him here. Uh, Anrik Norkia took 4.53. England bowled out for the fourth innings in a row. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any takeaways from this game. I suppose it was Ben Stokes' last game. He got out by... Uh, Aiden Markham reverse sweeping, kicked one in front, uh, and then the game stopped after uh, to applaud Ben Stokes' contribution to England in ODI cricket, which starts to get into a little bit of Equinox stuff because he's going to play. He's going to play. He'll play another 150 games for England, uh, but not in this particular format. So, yeah. uh, look, England does the romanticising of players and stuff. I was going to say, well, they just do it in their own way. You know, it's um, mm. they're, they're good at uh, pretty good. Like sentimentalism. He, the, the, he played 100 games for England over like 11 years in ODI cricket. He, he, he played when he needed to, and he was good because he's one of the best players in the world. Uh, yep. they, they, they want to thank him, and, uh, and that's, I guess that's all good. I'm looking for angles to mock it, but, you know. It's like Ben Stokes isn't playing anymore. The entire system and structure of ODI cricket is now crumbling around him. Uh, it's been crumbling for ages. Basically, it's been crumbling since um, you know <laughs> ODI cricket wasn't uh, like good in Australia in you know the start of the century. Um, and also, Mum and Dad maybe, broke up. Maybe ODI cricket sort of got a bit of a kick for a couple of years because England won that tournament. Like if New Zealand, heaven forbid, won that tournament and then went on to win the. The World Test Championship, like, I don't think people would be taking cricket seriously at all. I think the game would just implode. Uh, but Because cricket needed England to win that that tournament. And as good as England were for about the five years beforehand, they were fucking awful in that tournament. They lost to Sri Lanka. They lost to Australia. They lost to, they lost one other game in that tournament as well. They, so they made it to the, to the uh, knockout rounds. And then just about single-handedly, Ben Stokes wins them the final. It's, a, it's his contribution to England cricket maybe more than any other player in our lifetime, Pez, just thinking top of my head. I mean, it is phenomenal. And like, and just to, as I say, like as good as England have been and remain in white ball cricket, like he, he really did single-handedly win that final for them. Um, So, you know, I think, I think, mate, he deserved the round of applause off the field, despite what you're saying behind his back, which is, I think, in poor taste. Um, The second ODI in Manchester. Someone on YouTube is going to (laughs) go, both and wants a word. (laughs) <laughs> yeah all good I never yeah. saw him play I suppose he came, I suppose they made the final in 92 didn't they but I was yeah. 6 then I don't really remember it so he was uh, playing the, that was the first ever game of cricket I watched live my, my mum oh, yeah? took me out of school 1992 year 2 I remember she went and got me went and watched Australia play England at the SCG and Australia got fucked on uh, and yeah. uh, sitting in the Barongal stand and I remember the shock of like Ian Botham's blonde hair he, he batted lidless with Graham Gooch, yeah. and they just they chased like one fifty or one eighty comfortably, and um, there's a lot of runs back then. That <laughs> was that was a lot of money back in my day. <laughs> really, Dad? <Yeah>. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the second ODI in Manchester, England bounced back to a stunning 118-run victory. Uh, it was a rain-affected game, 29 overs aside for some reason. Uh, England, 201, they made it, uh, and they rolled South Africa for 83. Now, England were 72 for 5. Um, this would be like a, a an extremely rare series victory for South Africa, who I think I th- I think South Africa are like on the cusp of doing some good shit, like because it's it's a it's an enormously changed side from from like the team, um, and then obviously some 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 off field stuff has really disrupted their program, um, but uh, but I look at their team they've got some they've got some fucking players South Africa anyway they're on the cusp of like a stunning series victory the third. ODI is in Leeds to tonight, uh, Australia time. Anyway, they had England 72 for five and then late runs from Livingston and Curran got them up to 201. And then um, South Africa were, were six for four. Uh, it was fucking chaos. Um, Which way? Lanch, in one, the, oh, yeah, in, in the Sorry, in four the wickets, money. four wickets. Yeah. yeah, four wickets for um, six <laughs> runs. Both um, is pretty ordinary. Yeah, but yeah, both, both no good. Mm. Uh, Melanchip went to mid off off Topley. Then Vander Dustin got strangled down leg side, also off top, uh, also off um, Topley the rig. Uh, Quinton the cock then got a leading edge off Willie, and then Aidan Markram got a diamond duck where he tried to run a leg by to Josh Butler, and then all of a sudden it was fucking six for four, and then the game was over. So um, then they got rolled for eighty three and about twenty overs. So that's no good. But um, but you look at South Africa's team and they've they've. St- They've struggled a little bit in recent years, but I mean they beat India at home, which was a which was an upset. To be fair, that was an upset against a very strong Indian team on the rise. Um, we thought anyway of doing some shit. Uh, and uh, I look at that team; they're like David Miller, Markram, Vander Dussen, Norkier, uh, Shamsi's the number one T Twenty I bowl in the world at the moment. I think Maharaj is a good a good player as well. Quinton de Kock, their pace attack strong. Quinton de Kock's a good player. Yeah, but. We don't even know if they're going to play in the World Cup now, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> Who gives a shit? There's, there is. <laughs> no one cares about that. this format anymore. It's dead, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I keep forgetting. Yeah. I keep thinking I wish we should talk about it because there's a World Cup next year, but mm. that'll be the last one. We'll let India win that one, and then we'll just play the also, IPL for eight, eight months. England's ODI kit is hot as shit as well. I really like it. Do you like they, it? They, they do a good kit. Yeah. I'm colorblind, so it might mean it's shit, but I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. it's I think it's hot as shit. I think Mo and Ali looks good in it. Yeah, so Mo I, I'm just yeah, look, you know, we can talk about leading edges all we want, really, but uh, it's a, it's a nonsy thing to say. I understand, but <laughs> you know, it's just how you I feel. You about to buy the kit? Yeah, uh, absolutely not. No, I can't afford that right now. <laughs> and every, <laughs> right now, there are other times yeah. when yeah, set the AFP upon me, no problem. But yeah, yeah, not now. Yeah, get a big Will Cast forty two jersey on the on your back there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I'll get Topley. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's talk to Vatushna Hatharaja about uh, many things. Uh, let's talk about Sam Northeast. We'll talk about the kit. Uh, we'll talk about four hundred and ten not out, and we'll talk about the state of uh, the state of play in cricket generally across the globe. No pressure, Vish. Here we go. Right, you might know him from the very popular football ramble show, but. Um he recently took on the associate editor role at ESPN Crick Info. Uh, he's a longtime friend of the show. Uh, and frankly, it's no exaggeration to say he's one of the very best cricket writers on the circuit. It's Vatushan Ahantharaja on the Grey Cricketer. Vish, welcome back. Thank you for having me. That's um, I think that's the most serious intro I've gotten so far. 
oh, well, you were 20 minutes late, which was deeply offensive. Uh, and um, there we go. It was said off air. Yeah. Um, and it didn't seem, that didn't seem to bother you in the slightest. So obviously someone's doing well. Um, so it is great to have you back. Uh, hey, Vish, we're, we're into, uh, hey, we're into this uh, weird white ball phase of the English summer. Um, I look, the way I see it, England's got a good kit. Um, there's forgettable games coming thick and fast. Uh, obviously, it's confirmed the death of ODI cricket. Um, but, but apart from that, have you picked up anything of consequence from Matthew Mott's first few games in charge? Um, he's got young looking legs, you know, when you're like in the press box, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're... young looking legs, <laughs> you know, you're in the, you're in the, <laughs> so, um, in the last 30 hours was rain affected. It was only 29 overs, but the only start, they, the game was supposed to start at one. They only started playing about like five and, you know, someone in England kicked water out. And, you know, I've got used to seeing Chris Silverwood in shorts. I got used to seeing Trevor Bayliss in shorts. I realized even though I've covered a bit of women's cricket and I've covered, you know, women's ashes matches, um, I've not really seen Matthew Martin shorts, even though he wore shorts back then as well. And yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed, you know, he came, he came out of the setting cones and I was like, who is that? Like from afar. And, you know, took the binoculars out and it was, it was Matthew Mott. But um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, in terms of a serious answer, I think he's, you know, clearly quite personable. I think it's quite interesting that like he was brought in when Morgan was captain because the idea was, I suppose, a bit of consistency, someone to kind of like help carry the um I suppose the same kind of ethos and also the same kind of dressing room like coaching ethos forward and um yeah I suppose the you know the job's kind of changed in a you know in a month for him but um not just losing O Morgan but also losing Ben Stokes now as well. So yeah, you know there's this um so I'm at Leeds at the moment. There's a decide the decider of the Salaka series today. So um and obviously we'll judge him harshly for it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what he's made of. <laughs> um, re Ben Stokes's ODI retirement fish. Uh, I think it's well documented. I think, no, I think it's a fact is what I should say is that England have been like the most flogged since, since COVID they played the most games all over the world, etc. Um, so like, is his retirement an England thing? Uh, is it a cricket thing in general or is it a Ben Stokes thing? What, like what? Why? Why did he retire? Like, which one of those three is the definitive answer? Mm, can only be one. I, I think it's a Ben Stokes thing. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to give me that third option, but that's. I think that's spot on. I think. I think it's a Ben Stokes thing because I was thinking about it. If the if the fixtures were skewed differently, you know, not not just a, a gap, but if the ODIs came first and then there was sixty twenties basically back to back, and then some ODIs. I was thinking, like, he probably wouldn't retire from T20 cricket because there's a World Cup later this year. But I wonder if he maybe that would have made him think, oh, you know what? I will I'll retire at the end of this World Cup because mm. it was quite impulsive. Bear in mind, like, the, you know, a few days before he was announced that he wasn't going to play in the T20 series against South Africa. He wasn't going to play in the 100, but he was definitely going to play these ODIs. And then, you know, he plays. Uh, supposedly he played, um, you know, the ODI at Lords against India and thought, you know what, 
maybe this isn't the format for me. And then he only so then in that South Africa series, when he's having been announced in the squad, he announces the day before the first game that he's retiring and that this game at Chesley Street is going to be his farewell. Um, and it's also a Ben Stokes decision because he just looks fucked at the moment. Like he looks yeah. exhausted. It, it's a really stupid thing to say because, you know, of how time works, but that Daramonia was the oldest I've ever seen him look on a cricket field. And it was because, you know, it was the oldest he's been on a cricket field, but also in terms of like, he was doing all the Ben Stokes things, but then he was doing some old man things. You know, he, he couldn't, he was like, it took him a while to get up. He was holding his hip after he bowled. Um, and, it, you know, he, he definitely, he's cricketer because he throws himself into quite literally everything. He's got a bit, a bit of an addictive personality. You kind of need to pull him back on a few things. And I think that's as impulsive as it was, probably right that he retired from, from one of the three formats. It's just, it just jars a bit that, when you look at the raw numbers and also I suppose the match winning performances, mm. ODI cricket is his best format of the game. Bisham, mm. mm. last night, I guess, Australia time, Sam Northeast finished with 410 not out, no, 410 cricket runs. Um, <laughs> you know him. You've done a podcast with him. I don't know if he still does that podcast or if you guys still do it. It's a really good show. I like listening to it um, when it comes out. But um <laughs> what does what 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 does any of it mean? And I guess yeah, like what can you tell us about Sam Northeast? You know, from his personality to I guess I suppose his legs as well. <laughs> uh, I think he always wears trackies, so maybe he's ashamed of his legs. <laughs> <laughs> also, when when you don't know what to say, we just start talking about people's legs. <laughs> That's why Ben Stokes looks so old because he's been next to Matthew Bott's legs the entire that's time. Right. That's right. Like, yeah. 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 Four hundred and ten is too many. Yeah. It is too many. He said so. He did. Um, he did an interview yesterday with my colleague Matt Roller um, while he was on his way to a barbecue. So, mm. um, he said. Uh, he said I hit. <laughs> I was in the three nineties and I hit a six. What was I doing? <laughs> I, I read that interview and he, he was saying i'm really happy like I, i've I've actually had to pop down to some other place this barbecue it's been booked in for a little while but just turned out that his friends and his family were going to be there especially his friends he's like oh of course i'm going to go to it if you hit 410 you're definitely going out with your friends yeah mm. are you i feel like you'd want to hang around with the people who judged you for so long and just you know constantly remind them of the, the thing you've just done Mm. Um, no, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's mad really, because, uh, if you think about it to like the, at the start of 2020, we, the, so the podcast you talk about two hacks, one pro was a product of lockdown essentially. And maybe a week before we started it, sorry. So we, we started it and we thought this would be really cool. You know, myself, warmer person of the evening standard, a pro, we talk about, you know, the games issues or whatever. And then, and then we have his perspective as someone who is entrenched within the game and then a week later England announced a 55 man Covid squad and he was nowhere near it <laughs> and obviously like part of our reasoning behind doing it part of his reason behind doing it was like oh you know maybe it'd be a quite cool point to talk uh, talk about his career and what, one of the examples I gave him when we talked about it initially was Ed Cowan's um, season diary which happened to coincide with you know, his big Sheffield Shield season and then he got, gets picked for Australia. A week 
and it's like you know what you're not you're not even the 56th best player in England, mate. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and like we we can joke about it now, but at the time he was like, "Yeah, lads, I think maybe I don't want to do this." And we're like, hmm. "Yeah, fair enough." Um, mm. And so it's pretty cool that he's had this this knock of substance. And he said, you know, he said in the interview that the names he's alongside as well. But it's kind of he's been around the game long enough, and he's he's almost synonymous with the Red Bull game in England as the thing you don't want to be, which is the best player never to have played for your country. No one wants to be that guy. And it's quite cool that he has this. And who knows, you know, don't know what's going to happen the next few years. Um, if they don't give a shit about ODA cricket, they'll probably give him a cap, but who knows? <laughs> but it was quite, I think it's quite cool that he has this thing that is, he's basically left an indelible mark on the game. And I think people come into it Never really want, well, never really expecting to do that, but God, 4 10 not out. <laughs> you know, he's going to be, uh, in, in terms of history, his name's going to be there for a long, long time. Yeah. Gives him a great opportunity as well to say that, like, that wasn't even my best innings. My best innings was um, mm. my 133 uh, mm. against Durham <laughs> that time because it was sort of moving mm. around. But my, my 4 10 was up there, <laughs> yeah. top five, mm. but it wasn't my best. Um, Vish, given what you may observe with what's happening with the Big Bash and the new South Africa T20 League, um, do we like the 100 yet? Are we allowed to like the 100 yet? Is it is it good? I think you're allowed to like the 100. I think um, you're allowed to tweet about liking the 100, provided you have your replies off. In fact, I, I would advise that. <laughs> <laughs> um it's funny because we, uh, you, you kind of look at the game with the, you know, the, like the future tools program, the, the next round of it is coming out, and like a lot of that stuff has been leaked already, and about the windows for the, the hundred and the IPL, and it's, if you, if you didn't like it before, you, you're going to have to like it now because it's, you know, part of the furniture, and I think like, you know, I'll be covering a lot more of it because of my role with Quicken at the moment. And I'm quite excited by that. And it'd be interesting to see how much um, how much noise there is this time around. Uh, because it's, I think the thing that people who criticise the 100, which, you know, I think there are a lot of faults with it. But I think the, the issue is that, like, it's a little bit like the test side with Brendan McCullum and the fact that he's like, you know what, this is our squad. And it doesn't matter if no one scores any runs, this is the way it's going to be. And the ECB are that belligerent with the 100 that it's like, if they're not going to listen, people tend to stop complaining, especially on an issue that is, while it is serious, there are other much more serious issues going on in the world. Um, and so I think people are just going to be conditioned to it. And I don't necessarily mean that's, I mean, obviously it's, it's not a good way of putting it. And it, because it, I don't think being conditioned to something like that is necessarily a good thing. But I think people just certainly the 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 people who are vocally against it are just going to find themselves so ignored that they might just get bored of complaining, and that's generally how the ECB is operated mm. in this kind of stuff. Mm. People eventually get bored of complaining, or we'll fuck up a different way and they'll complain about that. Mm. Mm. Last one from me, Vish. Uh, Learned the other day that. Mark Wood's got a book coming out and you wrote it with him or wrote it, or I don't know what the arrangement is, but I presume that you were involved in writing it. Um, perhaps you can explain that, but uh, he's always, he's always struck me as a funny bloke. Uh, we've never managed to get him for the pod, but um, he seems to be a really interesting guy. He certainly frightened the shit out of half of our bats out here over the summer. 
Um, <laughs> what, you know, tell us about the book. Why'd you do it? Uh, and um, what can people look forward to reading? Uh, so the the book is a not so helpful self help guide by Mark Woods. Um, and the reason we came up with it, and I, I suppose the reason we have that hook is, is something that he'll, um, you know, he would happily come on and talk about and admit is that when we kind of came together for the idea, he the first thing he said to me was like, right, so I haven't really done much. And I was like, what, writing? He's like, no, like, you know, I'm not. And he just listed all these players. Um, and he's like, you know, I've not achieved the same things that these players do who like maybe you'd want to read about. And then I had to remind him that cricketers are primarily quite boring. And I was like, you know, they, they're like flat whites and they're like making flat whites. And they're like <laughs> tweeting about where's the best place to have a flat white. And I was like, you don't even like... You don't even like coffee. He doesn't drink. He doesn't like coffee. And I was like, this is a great starting point because it's not about hazing. It's not about, you know, uh, killing time in certain respects. And and so, yeah, so like we kind of came together, worked on this book. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, he might be one of the worst replies on WhatsApp I've ever met. Right. So it took a bit of time. But um, yeah, no, it, it, so it's out, like, it's out September 15th and... It's kind of just using his life uh, and experiences to, uh, I suppose, yeah, yeah, give advice. Like he's he's been best man three times. He's very good at giving best man speeches. So there's a section about that. Um, there's a section about killing his imaginary horse because he hated the fact that when he was and whenever he was out on a night out, people would ask him to do the imaginary horse. So he killed it at an ODI in 2018. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's all kind of all kind of things like that. And um, and yeah, all the way through, you kind of we're putting stories about his his upbringing, like how he got into the game. So by the end of it, while it's not in chronological order, you have the story of Mark Wood as well as a a good deep dive into the man's brain, which is um, one of a kind. Yeah. Fish, thanks so much for joining us, mate. I'll let you get on to um, the uh, the decider for the series in Leeds, which, um, which we're all deeply excited about. Sorry we can't cover that on this show, but if you want to know what happens in that game or some analysis, check out Vish uh, at Crick Info. Thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. You're, so you're not going to do a reaction video at the end of the day? Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Topley takes three for 15. Wow. <laughs> if it's not India, you guys don't bother anymore, do you? <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. That's... Thank you very much to Vish uh, for his time. Um, Pez, another series going on at the same time as West Indies India, also ODI stuff. Um, this series obviously is uh, India's C team being captained by Shikhar Dhawan. Um, a whole bunch of rested players for India, of course, but they got the job done in that first game. They won by three runs. Um, this series is so important uh, that it's not being broadcast on television in Australia, um, which is quite remarkable given that the Indian cricket team is playing and then uh, no, no, mm. no value, no interest in this. There's actually no interest in this. <laughs> quite, also quite remarkable that in reverse, India's just uh, paid $250 million for Australia's summer. <laughs> so just again, uh, yeah. just kind of look slightly yeah. different, but just reiterating the yeah. general interest and population of both countries is um, pretty disparate. Yeah, pretty Mitchell Stark. Um, 
Shikha Darwin's uh, so he's 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 obviously led the Indian side before, most recently in the Sri Lankan um, series, maybe in June, I think that was maybe May. Uh, but I was just reading an article earlier, and he was just talking about how they used to do team dinners, and now they now they make Instagram reels, and they've just like they just did this Instagram reel before with like with Rahul Dravid, um, who's obviously the coach in the inside now, full team make, making a blow up, go around and go around. Uh, on the Instagram reels there. That's how they that's how they bond now. Shikha Darwin's 36 years old. He must be thinking a bit like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, he loves it, Shikha Darwin. Melbourne's own Shikha Darwin as well, isn't it? Isn't he isn't he the ringleader he still... of that kind of stuff? I think he's like him and Chahal are sort of the they're the they're the they're the jovial guys of the Indian side. You know, like I remember when we um when we sat down with Shreyas Iyer last year, maybe this part yeah. got cut. Sorry, Shreyas, but he sort of um he indicated it would be quite funny to to be captain by Shikha Darwin um, because he's just he's a joker. But also, he, yeah, he, I thought he was coming across saying like, it should it should be it should be a bit of a laugh, really. Uh, and yeah. you know they're making good reels. Right. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, well, in that game, uh, India made three hundred eight for seven. Shikha Darwin got ninety seven. Shubin sixty four. Shreyas the top three fifty four. They all got fifties. Uh, West Indies finished three runs short, 305 for six. Kyle Myers, 75. Brandon King batting middle order, 54. Um, West Indies needed 38 off the last three overs. Uh, the record highest chase for, for that Queens Park Oval ground there in uh, Port of Spain, in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, is 272. Um, so they almost had the record, but they fell three runs short with four wickets still in the bank. So India, um, India did the business at the back end, I suppose you would say. The second ODI is today at the same ground. I feel like all these, like, cricket has changed so much in the last, like, three, four years. Maybe since England won the World Cup and the manner that they were playing for the years before that. They're like, now every team is playing catch-up with that stuff. But, like, all these records, including, like, the test, we're talking about Sri Lanka, Pakistan later, like, the fourth innings run chases highest individual scores, highest um, opening batting partnerships, highest, like, 272, the highest. That's a record highest chase at this ground, the Queen's Park Oval in uh, Port of Spain. I mean, if you've got 272 in an ODI now, that's going to be over in fucking 15 minutes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like these records, you almost need, like, records, like, pre, <laughs> pre-COVID, post-COVID. I'm blaming the virus now. Um, yeah, anyway. Um Oh, oh, sorry, like, so, I mean, what is it? What, what, why is this happening? Are we just going to say bats? Fruit bats, that is. Uh, or I, I think it's fruit bats. Could be monkeypox. Yeah. Um, what, 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 I mean, what, inflation, economic, the economic crunch. Is it, <laughs> is it, truly, prices, that, is yeah. it truly that no ball has swung since sandpaper? You know, is that it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it maybe. could be. A lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like we're sort of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those guys went. Uh, the Australian guys went to jail for a couple of years. So yeah, yeah. I well, one guy, yeah. yeah, one guy's not allowed yeah. to captain again, you know. But really, yeah. like the, the the great damage has been done to bowlers since since sandpaper. A uh, lot, no target safe anymore um, because yeah. ball doesn't move. I I think it's just that every team just picks like you, like your eight best sloggers. And you just fucking go for it. And they've just realised that, like, yeah, you don't need to be a conservative, little, acquisitive, jealously guarding coat as cricket has, you know, been run by and played by batsmen for, uh, yeah, for a hundred years. They've just gone no, and coats as well. But you can just you can just go and you'll be okay. Yeah, I think that's basically the that's basically what's happened. Mm. Um, And also the game's gone. You have to factor that in. Plus Mm. fruit bats. 
let's get into the uh, let's get into the meatier part of this of this episode this way, Pez, um, where we're talking about the South Africa T Twenty Comp and the Big Bash League. I suppose it's or broadly the same conversation. Now, um, the IPL franchise owners um, for the uh, for the IPL the IPL franchise owners, of course, will buy. They're going to buy six of the South Africa T20 teams. So this is from ESPN Crick Info, who has learned that the Mumbai Indians, Chennai Super Kings, Lucknow Super Giants, Sunrisers Hyderabad, Rajasthan Royals, and one of the owners of Delhi Capitals have successfully bid for the franchises. Uh, the league will be run by Cricket South Africa in partnership with television broadcaster Supersport. Um, Graham Smith is obviously the head of CSA at the moment. He's going to be running the competition. Uh, this is obviously the third time that South Africa's had a crack at a you know a global T20 league. But this is uh, this feels like some some real deal because six all six of the teams are going to be owned by IPL owners, uh, and therefore I reckon there's probably going to be a bit of bunts knocking about. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. The, the Australian reaction has been interesting to it like i mean i think when when you highlight that the the ipl franchise owners will now also have investment and own these teams and that there's something similar is being mooted for the emirates competition the uae one as well a little bit less developed but in many ways more concerning we'll come to that in a second um like I, i don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that you know, we're, we're, we're moving towards, if we're not already there, a, you know, an IPL kind of monopoly over cricket and that cricket is, it, its operating model is changing, you know, before our eyes, 18 months, 24 months, it could be much more akin to the Premier League, you know, much more, much more club-based and international windows. Um, yeah. It's interesting from an Australian perspective because there's a lot of accepted wisdom that seems to suggest that, uh, this this big three concept of like India, England, and Australia has all three countries safeguarded uh, that their domestic tournaments. If you accept that they're the new, you know, money maker of cricket, that their domestic tournaments through the via the ICC are now being safeguarded. But as I see it, the IPL definitely is, of course, the hundred is yeah. at the moment. It doesn't seem that way for the BBL to me. You know, to me, it looks like. The BBL uh, is 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 in a tremendous shit fight uh, when it yep. comes to competition from the South Africa uh, League and then the Emirates one coming in as well. Uh, that it probably due to its structures and stuff and the fact that it's kind of owned by clubs and isn't run by private equity, it, it, it can't offer the same amount of money to players as these other two competitions are proposing. Uh, it also runs up against Australia's own international cricket window as well so it yeah. doesn't really have exclusivity in any way uh and yeah. it's got some it's got some challenges they may not they, they may be able to be overcome but like i don't really place australia in the same um position as like india and england when it comes to this kind of stuff no, no, no. I, it, there's some there's some um really interesting developments ahead and i know you've got this in the agenda as well but even you know like ponting and Kawaja, two pretty senior voices in australian cricket gave word to that in the last 24 to 48 hours (laughs) just saying that like Mm. oh look you know players are going to go where the biggest paycheck is 
Uh, and for many, that may mean just playing half half the BBL and then the other half in South Africa uh, or just cutting the BBL altogether and going to the Emirates comp. So, yeah. But but then again, you know, the other perspective, mate, is that um, I kind of hope the South African comp works out for, for South African cricket. You know, because it needs yeah. it. It's in it's in strife, and it needs something to work out. And I'd love a strong South African. Um, I'd love strong South African cricket. You know, there I said it. So yeah. No, but I I actually had the exact same thought. I thought that um, just watching South Africa play in this uh, England White Ball series, and there's, there's test matches to come in August, and um, just having followed South Africa during that India series where they won at home two one, um, South Africa have and have always had really strong teams. And they've got really good players, always. And South Africa deserve a really good, strong T20 league that will that will buttress the support and foundations for hopefully Test cricket. Because that, I mean, that's what I want, and therefore it should be so because I want that. Yes. Um, but to your point, Ricky Ponting's quotes, uh, he said there might be more pressure on cricket Australia now than ever before. Uh, I've got no idea what Cricket Australia are thinking as far as the current model they've got, but it just seems that if you look at the draft already this year and you look at the player availability, it looks like the majority of the players are pretty happy to commit to the BBL for the first part, the first six or eight games. Then the South African tournament is going to start up in mid-January and you can guarantee the players are probably going to look uh, look to play the first half here and go and play the second half over there, which for a tournament like the Big Bash is not ideal. So if there are ways around that and ways that uh, can be changed, then I think Cricket Australia can most definitely have a look at that. It's um, it's a, it's a very interesting point because I mean if you if you look at the the three Southern Hemisphere teams, international teams, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. South Africa and New Zealand have tried to mimic what Australia had has with New Year's Test matches and a Boxing Day Test. And it just hasn't sort of taken up as, as greater momentum, basically because Australia gets the prime test matches on those days. So when New Zealand come out here, oh, sorry, when, when it's Boxing Day and it's New Zealand's turn to, to tour, well, we're, Boxing Day is going to be the MCG. We're not going to fucking Christchurch to that. Same with like Joburg, you know, or Cape Town. We're not going to, we go over there in like February when it's like out of season to a degree. And now India and England, they obviously Northern Hemisphere summers, they can move around there. There is no, there is no, date which is set for like the lord's test isn't always like june one or whatever but like our our summer ours being the australian summers are linked to christianity (laughs) our summers are linked to to boxing day the day after the lord uh, was born or Mm. some shit and then Mm. the gregorian calendar of the new year's test so like that and that's like a staple ever since about 1993 or some shit before then that wasn't a thing but they made it a thing um and now it's interesting because now the summer must revolve around those two specific dates. Uh, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. That's, that's going to have to change. Now, like, I, Boxing Day test is fucking good. And the New Year's test is nice as well. It's just in that time of year where no one knows what day it is and it's summer and it's all your things and you go to your one day of cricket a year and it's test match. You know, actually watch the game. It's on in the background. You drift in and out. You're having some fucking leftover turkey. You're boxing up the presents that you've had the day before. Hence the, Hence name the term of the boxing day. day. Yeah. Exactly. You've got a fucking tree in your house which is dying. But you know what? And so are you inside a little bit because Pakistan are 32 for three. <laughs> 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 what? Um... But that's, but that those two dates are now a problem for Australia, uh, for the Australian calendar. I think because the Big Bash 
domestic leagues where all the money is coming from now in cricket and in, in for for administrators per country. So like, what are you going to do about that? Because you can't have the big bash starting in school holidays midway through school holidays, December fourteen, then finishing a week under after school holidays in February four. I think that's what the dates are: December thirteenth to February four. I think that's what they are this year. And then all your test players can't play in the tournament. I mean, it's it's an issue, and it just seems to me that once again, religion has fucked cricket because <laughs> because we want Boxing Day test matches for its great what tradition. If, for its great tradition that started Since in 1992. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But what if the new tradition was the fucking the big one, the Brisbane Heat versus Adelaide Strikers? I was going to say, Day. there you go. Okay, a Boxing That's Day a test. Tradition. What about Boxing Day BBL? You know, it's already yeah. got the alliteration of the Bs. Going in it as yep. well, and yep. you could do the same thing in Sydney. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I reckon they'll find a way to move it. That that you know they they, they need to give it an exclusive window. I think I'm not, yeah. I'm not I'm not calling for the for the moving of the Boxing Day Test, um, but I am looking forward to like various media outlets covering that in a really like uh, hopefully a really xenophobic way. Um, mm. That should be good. But yeah, I, I, look, I don't know. I mm. mean, the, the Emirates League is an interesting one as well, the UAE one. Yeah, I, don't, um, I know less about this league. Do you yeah. know much about it? Uh, only through um, conversations that, that are, you know, not verified or anything like that. But um, okay. yeah, I mean, that, I, I, my understanding is like that that's really going up against the BBL, uh, this competition. And yeah. Uh, huh. It's slated to start, I think, like, could be could be 7 Jan, could be 14 Jan. The big thing with this competition, and again, this is uh, unconfirmed, but it, it's, tr- it's fully, fully privately owned, uh, this competition. So no money kind of goes back in. It's, no one plays cricket in the UAE, really. Um, no money goes back into a, a system there. And... It's got a huge number of overseas players that are able to to play in every squad. So, like, 14 overseas players out of 18, um, 9 out of 11 can play on the field. This has been sanctioned by the ICC. Uh, And I I just... Which I find remarkable, you know, that they can kind of sanction a competition to go up against a couple of others that are going to kind of devalue a couple of others as well. Right, Uh, right, right. Apparently, the, the... the owners of the Emirates League are, uh, is the the landlord of the ICC, which is based in Dubai as well. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like um, the, uh, the big question will be if this league is really um, going to devalue something like the BBL. Um, you know, th- th- these like NOCs um, will be maybe applied by. The administration, so you know, will 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 Australian players get clearance to play in it? <laughs> For example, like because they still have mm. to get clearance from the Cochlear and Cricket Australia. You know, I just feel like there could be some interesting um, developments ahead in relation to the releasing of players uh, to play in these competitions and whether players may just go anyway. Maybe those who are thirty plus will go. I don't mm. know. Um, NOCs being no objection certificates, so CA would have to say, yeah, we've got no objection for you to go here. So I, I also right. thought that's probably what's going to come into play as well in relation to BBL and the South Africa comp being on at the same time and the test players being available as well, you know. I think maybe the test players will play in the BBL due to those NOCs. So, um, But, yeah, I think this, um, you know, the ICC might want to stay on the right side of the shake. Yeah, that's interesting. NOC is different to NONCEs. 
which is a, a separate um yeah. a separate thing altogether. That's right. Separate thing. Yeah. Um, I think we said a while ago that um, the impact of the new IPO rights deal going for six point two billion or, or or whatever it was exactly. Um, we're already seeing the ramifications of that. Like every country is moving away from white ball cricket, test cricket, probably has been for a little while, it feels like. And now we're all scrambling for like our own slice of the IPL style pie. And it's um, cricket's perhaps changing more than it ever has before. Let's say this yeah. last week, more than, I think even, even more than when Kerry Packer brought in World Series cricket. I mean, that was a, that was a fucking big old alpha dog power play, that one as well. But like, but now all nations are scrambling for their own economic security i suppose well um, i think I it's think changed the entire fabric of the game the actual structure the content the the um yeah the structure of the game is it's changing enormously and very quickly i think there's some big questions for cricket australia executives you know given um the you know the, the clear monopolistic desires of um the ipl it's got mm. that kind of city group man city group um, approach to to wanting to establish satellite play, satellite kind of um, presences outside of the IPL proper by owning teams in other fran- like you know in other leagues and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, for cricket Australia, I think the question one of the questions is um, and and perhaps maybe a bit trite, but like you know strategically you know from a business imperative perspective you know do you do you get into bed with indian cricket and work around it immediately or or do you resist and i know the answer is going to be somewhere in the middle and and a little bit of both here and there but um it'll be interesting to see in 10 15 years you know how australia is positioning itself within it because i I just i wonder how much australian cricket's getting left like might be getting left behind a little bit that the big three concept was i think popularized maybe 10 or so years ago um there was that great movie, Death of a Gentleman, with um, Jared Kimber uh, and Sam Collins as well, kind of highlighting how that those three got together and basically pulled a whole bunch of money into themselves and away from the rest of the um, international cricketing community. Mm. But w- when I look at this situation, doesn't that, that they don't look to be oper- look to me to be operating in as much of a block as they did then? And um, yeah. where India and England's domestic T Twenty cricket is in a pretty good place, um, Australia's uh, is is has, has got a lot of work to do, I think, to, yeah. to try and stay in a, in a strong position. So, I agree. Also, Ravi Shastri and comms the other day for South Africa and England, he's obviously working with Sky, was saying that like like half the teams, half the test teams need to be binned. Um, and then he sort of like wheeled it back into be like, no, just don't make, just don't let the top teams play against the bottom teams. Huh. And it was like, geez, a lot of the bottom teams have done really well recently. I, I, actually, I actually think generally... International cricket at the moment is as even as it has been in fucking ages. Mm. Like um, New Zealand winning the World Test Championship, India having a great series win in Australia the last couple of times, England having a two-all series result. Uh, I guess that's uh, a little bit different, but you know, South Africa winning, um, India winning in England just now. Bangladesh won a test match in New Zealand mm. against the World Test Champions. Mm. Sri Lanka t- drawing a series against Australia. Yeah, like, I actually think cricket generally, mm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's actually quite even at the moment. Um, and it's good. So, Ravi Shastri, wrong in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but Alpha. <laughs> yeah, Alpha is fucked. Don't worry about that. Uh, so, Australia's next little, uh, next little run of fixtures, they've got, Zimbabwe and New Zealand in a white ball series. Now, those games are being played in Townsville and Cairns. And then India are, are going to play three three T20Is against Australia and a series of three 
T20Is and three ODIs against South Africa. All of those are going to be at home for India. That's between September 20 and October 11. That's the last fixtures before the World Cup in Australia, which is going to start on October 16. Um, so the three the three T20Is against Australia will be played in Mahali, Nagpur and Hyderabad on September 20, 23 and 25. Um, this has like just been announced. Uh, so... Um, they've sort of just jammed those in. Yeah, Australia, three yeah, games mate, over there, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely fucking yeah. bursting for those ones. Good preparation for for Australia. Just go play in India. Um, just getting a plane. Yeah, <laughs> play pop over there, three games. Uh, come back here, playing completely different decks. Um, but, yeah, I guess some, some money for all involved, so that's that works out pretty well. Um, so, yeah, Australia's preparation for the, uh, the T20 World Cup. New Zealand, Zimbabwe... In Cairns and Townsville, three T20s in Mahaling, Nagpur, and Hyderabad. Good stuff. Look, it's a loose, it's a tenuous <laughs> connection. Uh, but good stuff, mate. Good yeah. stuff. Well, look, last yeah. year in the T20 World Cup, JL was coach, and maybe this time around, uh, well, we've learned that we've learned through the week. Speaking of Pontic's comments, he goes that uh, mm-hmm. he won't be coaching the Hurricanes, uh, and and Ponting made really clear that that Langer yeah. was was Ponting's first choice. Um, that they've gone with, they've gone with Jeff Vaughan, uh, who's been assistant coaching Australia. He's also co- been coaching um, the Tassie team as well, the Shield team. Ponting yeah. said, "Everyone that I've spoken to around Tasmanian cricket or around the Australian cricket team just had glowing reports about Jeff with his coaching ability and his coaching style and his people management. I think that's exactly what the Hurricanes need right now. Um, just going for people." People management guy and Langer's first choice. Um, now, JL, <laughs> JL, unnecessary. JL, well, um, people talking about what the Hurricanes need right now, in my opinion. I just not enough people in the street it, talking it about that. Uh, Ponting went on to say that JL won't be at the Hurricanes. He's got other things across his desk that are exciting him a little bit more. Yeah. And I just want to say off the top as well, um, all, all all power to him as well. You know, if uh, if um, there's life outside coaching for jail wish him every success with that hell yeah um i i wouldn't be surprised if um it was like a jose Mourinho type scenario uh where he's in the commentary box he's uh, still comps he's, he's comps for sure i mean sure. look at ravi sure. he's treading this path or trying this path yeah you got jose Mourinho. uh okay shane flanagan in rugby league to a lesser extent and lesser i'm extent, thinking yeah. i'm thinking it could be absolutely box office uh, I'm 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 out there saying that now. JL on comms could be absolutely box office. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's got, he's got seven, or he's got Fox written on him. I can I can see him with seven, but I can also see him with Fox. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those two, mate. Yeah, or is it? S-E-N? I don't know. Yeah, like I don't think. Um, yeah, like are those brands so kind of differentiated that like you're like, oh no, he's more of a Fox guy. Like I mean. Uh, you know, I, yes. I mean, maybe, uh, yes, they are actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but like, don't aren't, aren't the commentators kind of malleable to the brand as well? Yeah, I could see them switching over and playing playing those just environment. Roles, so. It's just environment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get JL in I mean, there with got, the boys, bit of banter on Fox. Because he's he's good mates with uh, Gilchrist, who's at Fox, yeah. but then he's like, mm-hmm. he's good mates with Ponting at Seven. Yeah, that's right. So I agree. I agree. Though. I mean, it's just I mean. What I wouldn't give to just hear like just JL just just on 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 special comms like doing ball by not necessarily ball by ball stuff but like just and just letting people know what he thinks about certain yeah. players. 
Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I want. Or even yeah. better, biting his tongue, you know, when clearly you there is something to be said. Tongue? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the... <laughs> I have JLK, which which is one of his great strengths. Actually, is the is the kind of uh, the authenticity of his emotion. You know, like is true. It's not, it's not true. poker, and I think that true. I think that could be really good. I think that could be really good. Just so. like that, just like that. Ben and Headingley, like that was as visceral in that moment. But then he mm. knew immediately that wasn't the right thing, and he wanted to be you know diligent and cleaning it up. So he did he did the right thing at the end. You know that if they don't get home in a game, like that, don't get home in a game. It's just. Get that camera on the jail. What do we reckon? Let's go. <laughs> uh, anyway. um, I do Australian wish, women do wish in, him the best. Sorry. Australian women in preparation for the Commonwealth Games, obviously starting there in Birmingham in August. It must have been a couple of weeks because of the Commonwealth Games. Um, there's been a lot of rain-affected games in this tri-series with Ireland and Pakistan. Either way, Australia's fucking smashing all comers. <laughs> um, they've beaten Ireland twice, and then the two games where they've played against Pakistan have been... <laughs> They haven't been completed. The second game, for instance, Pez against Pakistan, um, they had Pakistan 94 for eight, and then Australia were 28 for none after 4.1 overs, 4.2 overs. And then if they bowled four more balls, obviously you need five overs to be completed in the second innings for a game to be declared, normal stuff. Because cricket's so accessible and easy, um, easy to follow. But that game was not completed. So, um, so yeah, Tyler McGrath, we spoke about it briefly last week, Pez, uh, in relation to Elise Perry, I suppose, has won four Player of the Match awards in all four games. You know, she currently averages 247 in T20 cricket and 16 with the ball. Mm. It's pretty Is good. In good nick. Yeah, in pretty good nick. Hey, uh, Megan Schutt got a 100th T20i wicket. Uh, that's She now goes second all time. Elise Perry is number one with 115. Um I don't know what to take away from this other than it's been wet where they've been playing and they've absolutely dominated both of these sides and it makes me feel good Mate. because Tylee McGrath, the replacement for Elise Perry, averages 247. Yeah, good. That's what I want. That's what uh, I want. That's what I'm saying. Uh, okay. I'll talk, I'll talk about something that's nothing to do with women's cricket, but the other day, the other day I was in the gym and... Uh, I could, I could just see, uh, I, I was lifting actually, I was lifting. Okay. Um, yeah. And so the TVs were on. Shifting tin? Yeah, shifting bit of tin, yeah, just try and sort out the roof. Because uh, um, the big old roof, believe me. But um, I just saw on the uh, on the TVs, which obviously are <laughs> muted, it was like a, a yeah. Channel 7 promo for, like, it was maybe like in a, a Today Tonight thing or whatever. And there was there was a, a bloke sitting there and he looked really familiar to me, but also he was just exceptionally good looking. Blonde hair, right. the just the, the chisel on the jaw was unparalleled. And I was like, I recognize this bloke from somewhere. And I don't know, I just couldn't place it. I couldn't I could I didn't know how to place it. Yeah. And it yeah, stuck yeah, with yeah. me for days. And then it it came to me um that it was Cody Simpson, the swimmer oh, yeah, slash yeah, pop star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I started looking him up. And, mate, I'm saying this just from a rig perspective. Like, this bloke has the fucking most sensational rig. I'm talking about common games. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't believe the the um, – I can't believe the strings to this bloke's bow. Like, he yeah. is – the, the rig is unbelievable. Swimmer's rig, yeah. six-pack, etc. He swims yeah. for Australia after – rather successful pop career like yeah. pop music for going from that to yeah. swimming for, for for australia no less he's yeah. um dated miley cyrus 
And so he's dated Miley. So he's got all these, all these like extremely sexy pictures with Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's dating uh, Emma McKean at the moment. Sorry, Australia's most. Sick. I was say, oh, sorry. And then he goes, he goes, he goes from. It goes from Miley Cyrus. It's a couple in between. Don't get me wrong, you know. Uh, so I'm sure he's done plenty of cases his time. But um, <laughs> and then and then plenty of laps following the big buck line. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mate. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Up early, punch it through yeah. his laps. But um, <laughs> and now Emma McKeon, who's like the, uh, she sort of she like she walks like the Amazonian goddess of like swimming. Yeah. You know, she's just tall and angular, and it's back and shoulders. And Australia's most it, successful ever athlete in the Olympics, and yeah. obviously wheels yeah. in the pool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how the wheels? How's <laughs> how the wheels on it? <laughs> and uh, and then I go on his Instagram, and like he's playing, yeah. he's playing Elvis songs. He's doing yeah. shoots, and then he's just got the shoulders <laughs> and the rig out, punching through laps. I'm like this bloke. This bloke has got it all. He's truly yeah. got it. I couldn't believe. You know what he, you know what he, you know what he was, Pez? He was kissed on the dick. Mate, what he was. <laughs> this bloke has anybody. Been, it just the, the shock of blonde hair. You know, it was, it's Aryan. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it, it's it's um, unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lottery. Needs to be desired. You know, the Aryan stuff. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to describe what it looks like. But <laughs> it really got to me just from in terms of like th- this bloke could walk into first grade at any club on yeah, on yeah, rig yeah. alone. Like it is. Yeah. And just to have like the ability to uh, play music and just the pipes on it, and I'm not talking about his arms, but it's, it's, it's a double pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a brilliant it's singer. It's a double pipe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just look. Yeah. We're talking about com games and and rigs. Like you yeah, see, yeah. you see a rig around Olympians, but to to go mm. rig and Miley Cyrus pop star, like to to, to be Hollywood like that as well. That's yeah, I'm yeah. I'm all in on that. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm I'm paying it. Well, what are you, uh, you about? and many other you and many other brands. I was actually reading something the other day about how uh, several brands have pumped like millions into the relationship with him and uh, Emma McKeon. What and are you Blake mean, pumping well, money into you? a relationship? What do you like? What, As in, like to the, keep it like, going, <laughs> no, like, like, like a car, dates, <laughs> fucking helicopter rides. I put fucking. so much money into this fucking car, absolute pit, the money pit. <laughs> 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 no, they've invested in them, like you know, to sponsor them. But they sponsor yeah. them both as a, as a as a as two a couple, yeah. As a couple, as a couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Does, still, hey, don't get me wrong. When he lines up on the blocks, I, um, it's it's fucking goal or nothing for me. You know, oh, no, if you if you if you go to the Commonwealth Games as an Australian and you come home with silver or bronze, well, you can mm. go home and get in the fucking bin. I, I, I'm sorry, I, it's I gold or nothing. He, he's he's very attractive, and normally you know very this is what attractive. I understand from the outside. Like, yeah. if you're attractive, you live in you live in the bubble. Like, you don't actually need to be that that talented at anything, you know, because you just get given every fucking thing on a platter. And uh, as is demonstrated in the Thirty Rock episode, but for him to like be able to play guitar and sing at an elite level, and then to just turn into a fucking swimmer, that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost it. I've lost it. And all before the age of twenty six. Hey, Schlanker in Pakistan, in a test series. Angela Matthews, another rig. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we we didn't get to see we didn't get to the conclusion uh, at last week's uh, episode, but Schlanker got made two twenty two in the first innings. Pakistan made two eighteen, so four runs behind. Then. Um, Sri Lanka made 337. Chandamal, after getting 76 in the first inning, he's got 94 red ink. 
in the seconds. So Pakistan needed 344 to win, which they did six down. Mm. Uh, Abdullah, Abdullah Shafiq hit 160 not out of 408. <laughs> um, Jai Saria took four of the six wickets, so he finished with nine for the match. This is after he got fucking 12 for 13 for against Australia, the sixth best ever uh, debut in Test cricket history, he's, uh, he's doing some fucking axe up a telly or his head, Jai Saria, with, mm. uh, with nine from this game as well. In the losing side, so satisfying for him. Good. But uh, yeah, Abdullah Shafiq, 160 of 408 in the fourth innings to win a Test match over there in Gaul. Fucking amazing stuff. Um, the second Test, along with every other game in the entire world, starts today, um, also in Gaul. And Angelo Matthews will play his 100th Test match for Sri Lanka. Of which I'm going to guess there's probably not that many guys in Sri Lankan Test cricket history that have played 100 tests. I couldn't mm. tell you how many there are, but I reckon there's probably I reckon there's less than 10. Yeah, maybe yeah. about 10. Um, but uh, and then Shaheen Shah Freddy has done his knee. He is injured, and we thought, well, Harris Ralph, this might be his chance. Might be his chance. Um, but uh, Norman Ali is likely to replace him instead, I believe. Uh, that's what's happening over there in Gaul. He's the um, sixth. He goes, just look that up. Stat dog. The up. sixth. Jaya Wardner, sixth. 149. Sangakara, yeah. 134. Murali, yeah. 132. Chimindavas, 111. Jaya Saria, Sanath, that is, 110. And Angelo Matthews, 100. I wondered well, if Ranatunga would be in there. Yeah, I thought Ranatunga, yeah. but it's probably just too early. They didn't play that many tests. Exactly. Like sort of 90s. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, Aravinda De Silva would be up there as well. He was a fucking good player. Aravinda De Silva played 93 tests. Ranatunga played 93 me. tests. Yeah, it is good. Atapatu, 90. This is just na- I'm feeling good with these names now. Yeah, uh, me too. What about Dilshan? Uh, Tilakratna Dilshan, 87 tests. Samara Weera, 81 tests. Hmm. Yeah, some good players. That's some good players. Though. Hushan Tilakratna, 83. I remember him as well. Mm. Like when they used to come mm. out, it's like Guru Sinha. He's only played forty-one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Mahanama. Now they all play in Denver Hills. Harath. Bunsen and Denver Hills. Harath. Ninety-three. Yeah. Ninety-three. Ninety-three. That's good going. Hey, we didn't even speak earlier about how the the Big Bash though that they got three Pakistani players: Babar Azam, Rizwan, yeah. Shahin Shah, all playing, all yes. nominated for the draft, and that's fucking. That's good. I reckon Australia, Australia would do well to to go into that Pakistan market because Pakistan Pakistan have got some fucking guns. And everyone says that we that we've spoken to the PSL is the next highest standard after the IPL, but yeah. it's like it's shuns because of. There's a bit of stuff going on with India and Pakistan. Yeah, I don't know if you know about that, but uh, uh, it's definitely a shuns tournament. Um, and now the Pakistan players can play in the IPL. Um, so I think Australia would actually do well to lean into that a bit. And uh, and attracting those three players especially, I mean, they are fucking guns. They'll, they'll be the best players in the tournament. Barbara, I mean, Barbara Zahn might be the best White ball Mate, bat in the world. This is this is hot. This is hot shit. He goes. That's hot shit. Uh, yeah. Barbara Azam is one of the best sticks in the world. Um, he's, he's probably second after Joe Root at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mo Rizwan's face salad is unparalleled. That is the best in the world. He's and and he's yep. he's a character. Shahin Shah Afridi is a monster. Um, yep. And perhaps this is how we take on India. Really, this is. Yeah. Perhaps we form an alliance with Pakistan, whose best players can't play in India. Um, perhaps this is shrewd from Nick Hockley and Alistair Dobson, you know, to exploit the Indo-Pakistani conflicts, um, in particular the wars from 47, 65, 71 and 99 respectively, and to a lesser extent the insurgencies in Jammu and Kashmir. 
to to a lesser extent. Uh, not to be forgotten though. Um, uh, oh, Aaron, you two are, is off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll schedule this so it comes out after we get back. Uh, good, yeah. Um. <laughs> um Pez, uh, we're going to speak to Nathan Ellis, uh, but we need to we need to thank our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler. Uh, and now we've spoken over the last few weeks about uh, people's Instagram feeds here down under and perhaps across the lands, uh, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, wherever you are, Western Hemisphere, Eastern Hemisphere. If you're in Japan, listen to this. Uh, your Instagram feed will just be littered with people gallivanting across the continent right now. Uh, maybe they're in Scotland. Uh, maybe they're at St Andrews. Uh, maybe they are in Greece. Maybe they're in Mykonos. Maybe they're in Portugal. But people are out and about. They're on the Amalfi Coast. That's what they are. People, a lot of people on the Amalfi Coast are my feet at the moment. And let me tell you, that's a fucking hell of a place. And they should be in Budgie Smuggler because Budgie Smugglers are taking over the world. Uh, there, I've said it. There, I said it. I said it. Mate, I'm moving back to Melbourne in two weeks' time. Uh, and that will also mean that you and I are recording in person once again and touching yes. at the same time and people can't see that we're doing that. We're playing footsies under the table and sometimes yeah, the yeah. leg slides up the calf uh, and that's a parenthesis. But uh, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to about moving back down, and there aren't that many yeah. things to be honest, but um, yeah. is the opportunity to wear the, uh, the hoodie and the tracksuit pants that Budgie have sent me. They're, they're, right le- they're legitimately warm. Uh, the the tracksuit pants especially they look like a they look like a real treat and as we've been trying to impress upon the listeners and the viewers for the last couple of weeks, yeah. b- budgies aren't just in the budgie smuggler game, it's apparel all rounds now. There's even there's a bit of circuit wear if you want to make it that way. Uh, there's circuit wear. I, I, I saw footage from I believe it was Monsieur Ordinaire or the UK um, Ordinary Rig. Shot as well, talking about some some um, content from Europe, mate. It looked like an absolute treat over there. There was some. I, don't, I, I was sort of hoping they were French, but guys in speed dealers performing their biggest ordinary rig tricks. Everyone having a party, having a good time. The the, the brand is synonymous with happiness and being extraordinary uh, and That's ordinary at the same time. That's and true. Ordinary at the same That's time. Uh, so wherever you are around the world, swimmers, warm gear, budgie's got you covered. And if you if you use the code Champ. On their website, budgetsmuggler.com. Uh, you, you you're gonna find a little present for you there as well if you chuck champ into the uh, into the code. So if you once you once you get your your budget smuggler uh, attire, whether it be apparel, whether it be swimwear, whatever it be, whatever the fuck that you've bought from that website, uh, tag us in a little photo, tag us there on the on Instagrams, and uh, we'll give it a share. And we'll give it a share. Let the people know what's going yeah. on with Budgie Smuggler. Uh, use the code champ at checkout, of course. That's budgetsmuggler.com. Here he is. Here's the great man. Nathan Ellis. Okay, this bloke is one of the, well, I think, premier closers in white ball cricket. Uh, He's had a rapid rise to the top. He commenced with grade cricket in Sydney, went to Tassie, played with the Hurricanes, to Hampshire. He's gone to the Punjab Kings, all the way to the Australian national side, uh, where he took a hat trick on debut against Bangladesh, um, only to have been told he shouldn't have been wearing a watch. Maybe ask him about that later. Um, (laughs) It's Nathan Ellis. Nathan, welcome to the grade cricketer. Thank you for having me. Uh, all right, Nathan, you, you came through the fated Sydney Test cricket system. <laughs> um, as far as I understand, it wasn't like you were dominating it early on. Like you, you were at Randwick Petersham. You changed clubs. So you're a national player who was a club changer. Uh, and a short time later, you were playing for Australia. So I suppose my first question is, Randwick must have had a good side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... 
So exactly right. I think um, I definitely wasn't dominating and was bowling like probably second, third change, just sort of happy to be there type thing. I um I didn't play any of the junior underage stuff. I always was one of the first cut. Like in the, I made the first round and then got cut in the second, and then um, I was a bit of a late bloomer puberty wise. Got sort of grew up a little bit around 17, 18. Um, and then that sort of all when it sort of happened. I played first grade at Randwick and. Um, yeah, Trent Copeland was the one that sort of got me to St George. He's a St George great, um, and yeah, sort of have a lot to thank. Like, obviously, we make a lot of jokes at Sydney Test cricket, but I think yeah, yeah. I owe a lot to I owe a lot to it. Did you um, just so, just on you, that? Sorry, yeah, you go, he goes, go. I was, I was gonna, have you, so have you played every grade? Have you played fives to ones? I played two games of fifth grade, and then I played a whole season of fourth grade. And then the same, I played two games of third grade and then a whole, I think maybe two years of second grade. And then, so I sort of, yeah, played a lot of lower grades, but yeah, skipped fives and threes pretty much. Okay. So do you reckon you're the only Australian player currently to yeah. have played every grade? Um, I don't know, mate. I haven't really thought about it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess once I you play for Australia, you don't really think about that stuff, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I still think about like, my fourth grade team um, at Ramwick was some of the funnest cricket I've ever had because we had a gun, a really good mix of like young kids who were like 14, 15, 16, and then ex first graders who were literally just trying to get away from the, the Mississippi kids over the weekend and have a punt and a beer. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was an eye opening experience. Um, what about, what about when you, I mean, Ramwick played a game, a warm-up game, uh, before the 2015 World Cup against Ireland, and Ramwick won. Yeah, Can you tell we, us about uh, that game? I can't really remember the scores, but I remember Alpha. Yeah, <laughs> smashed them. But one thing I do remember is how many of their blokes smoked. I don't know why that stuck with me, <laughs> and it was like. <laughs> And I, yeah, I don't have no idea. I can't remember the score. I can't remember if I did well or had a bad game, but I remember being like, we beat Ireland. And I remember having, like, we had like, because it was like a, you know, a, not a charity game, but like a, you know, friendly game where you have lunch together. And and I just remember thinking how, like, all of them smoked. Like, it was just a haze of smoke in the lunchroom. And then we went out and played the second half of the game. So, um, but yeah, we, I think I think they're going to play them again leading into this World Cup. So, I mean, Ram can go two from two. From two. Right. Um, you then, you, so, so it all, it all takes off for you. Um, and once again, New South Wales misses out on like the next big thing, right. But you go to, you go to Tassie and, uh, so Adam Griffith is a coach. And I just noticed with your, with your numbers playing red ball cricket in Tassie, 35 wickets in seven games at 25, uh, and you would have played on some pretty unhelpful wickets there too, I reckon. Um, do you still face a stigma that because you're not six foot eight bowling one fifties that that red ball cricket you know people will tell you red ball cricket isn't for you and just generally bowling fast? A hundred percent. I when I, that was the biggest hurdle when I first came down and Griff's been one of my biggest, um, you know, probably one of the the best coaches I've had in terms of career progression to date. But it took me two and a half years to get on his good side because he's 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 a he's a big bowler, um, cut from the mold of you know. Big, big, tall bowlers need bounce, need pace, etc. So it took me, yeah, two years to even for him to look at me. Um, but yeah, I still face that stigma, and and, and I still want to play red ball. I think I think the schedule in the last 
18 months has, has um, you know, taken a lot of the opportunity for me to play Red Bull cricket for Tassie. Um, but in the same breath, I've been away with the Aussie stuff, with the white ball, IPL, all that sort of stuff. I just think, yeah, with the, with the delayed COVID white ball tournaments, um, yeah, Red Bull cricket just hasn't been there for me at the moment. But that's not saying I don't want to play. And it's, well, I really love it. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I haven't bowled more than four overs in about six months. So um, don't know if I can still do it. <laughs> It's it's really funny, Nathan, like your your progression because you weren't, as you said before, you weren't part of like the Aussie nineteens and the and the state seventeens and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. And you went from Ramwick to St. George to Lindisfarne. And I think the first year you won like I think you won some silverware, you won a stack of awards, Lindisfarne that first year. But did you move from New South Wales to Tassie under the premise of getting some state games for Tassie? And and that's that's a sort of very different path for a lot of guys of that you play now with for the Australian team who basically knew they were going to play when they were about eleven. Um, but that yeah. were, were you promised state games for Tassie? Um, no, not at all. It was I was doing well in Sydney, sort of consistently, um, and never really getting a look in at second eleven cricket. Or I'd play the odd like trial game at the start of the season, um, and and I was in the Sixers Academy, um, but I was just basically paying the tolls down to Blacktown and just being a net bowler for the season <laughs> for the Blues. Um, so I was doing that and then the opportunity arose where one of the selectors just basically asked an ex-Tazzy cricketer who was playing for St. George, Steve Casalino. He asked him what I was like sort of thing and basically the conversation started then. I was just like, well, I just finished my uni degree and I was either chasing the cricket dream or having to put on a suit and I just could not bring myself to, to work a nine to five. So I was like, I'll go down and have a crack. Um, and then basically as soon as I got down there, all the people who were talking to me and were watching me got sacked. Then <laughs> they had a big clear out of cricket Taz. So I got down there and I just moved into a rental first time out of home. And then, yeah, all the people that sort of got me down there were gone. Um, so I had to start from, start from scratch. And I was like, well, I'm closer here than I am in, in New South Wales. So I'll just give it a go. And um, yeah, it took a little bit longer than I'd hoped. But um, yeah, obviously a great experience. I find that extraordinary, really, because people who will be listening to this show or watching on YouTube, I mean, they'll they'll know you from TV. And like the the truth is, um, you moved to Tassie, and there were, uh, you know, you had you had two years of hard work before you got to look in there as well, as you just said, doing some research into this. Like, look, this could be wrong, but someone told me that. Uh, you know, you're moving that's furniture bad. for 50 bucks cash <laughs> on a Saturday to get petrol, to get to Linda's farm. Like that's really tough. They're really tough yards. And to be sort of bowling for the Punjab Kings under, you know, Kumblay and playing with Liam Livingston and, that, you know, these kind of guys, like that, that must be a very satisfying thing for you, especially looking back at the guys who made the second round of the New South Wales 17s, you know, who probably played <laughs> a bit of threes. Yeah. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I and I I look back on that now, and I think I think there's like a um, it's almost like a recipe for the the professional cricketer. You need to play, you know, emerging blues or whatever it was, 15s, 17s, 19s. And I look back now, and at the time I was so devastated. I was like, I'm never going to play. I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough, etc. Um, but looking back now, I just think it was the best thing for me because I would have burnt out. Like so many kids my age who were the guns um, just had too much cricket at a young age. Um, and burnt out where I was fortunate enough to play a bit of club cricket. I was able to go to England and travel and um, experience all those things where if you come out of school and you're on a rookie, you can't go to Europe and, you know, 
party and I, you know, in Mykonos or do what you know what I mean. You don't get those experiences. You go out of school, you're straight into a job, and you're under the pump of being a professional cricketer. Um, so yeah, like I look at the time, I, I felt unlucky, but I feel really lucky now that it's all worked out for me. Um, but yeah, I, I still have these moments where I'm pinching myself, and I just. So I have moments because when you're in the moment, you're playing and you're with all those people, you can't think too much about, oh, how amazing is this or this person or this person because just, then it sort of doesn't feel real and you sort of get swept up in the occasion, I think. But I have these moments of clarity where I like, wake up in the morning and go, holy crap, like, or I'm, you know, in a bowling meeting with, you know, KG Rabada or all these people where I've just looked from afar for so long and now they're, you know, What's happening? What's happening? Me asking if you want to go for a beer, and like, it's just—it's a whole different world, and, and yeah, just doesn't feel real. Yeah, dude, that's that's sick. Oh, you, you also said those mentioning about England there because you you played a season at Banstead, right in the in the Surrey Prem, yeah. um, where that's Rory Burns's club amongst other international players who played there as well. But um, were you going there to sort of progress your cricket, or are you going there to keep your luggage tags on your kit for for a period of time just to let people know you played a bit of stuff overseas? And- <laughs> A bit of a circuit. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No, I um, I literally went to get a free flight to Europe. Basically, I and I, I really wanted to play, and I was good mates with Rory. I played with Rory in club cricket, so I got to stay with him and his family. And um, but I was playing on a Saturday, and we train on a Thursday. So I would, from Sunday to Wednesday, I'd just I'd go. My best mate was playing in in England at the time too, so we would literally just fly out Sunday, come back Wednesday, train Thursday play Saturday um so yeah it was unreal yeah uh and all the way through to last week Nathan you, I mean I'm I'm sure you've been asked about this like a million times but you know you were the central character in like one of the craziest finishes to a game that we've seen that anybody's really seen Lancashire versus Hampshire um, it's just seemed like absolute chaos. I- I'm not really going to like describe the full scenario because if you're listening like this far into a cricket podcast, you've surely got to know that, you know, you basically bowled a no ball off the last ball, took a wicket, everyone thought it was over, everyone shot their load and then you had to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but, mate, I-, I-, look, I don't know what angle to bring to it other than just to ask you like what the fuck happened and, um, you know, how good was it to to, to win it twice? Exactly. I only got the one medal though. I'm saying I could have got two. But... <laughs> so it was, yeah, and it still gives. I haven't watched it yet either. It still gives me like the feel. Like I still sort of get the feeling of when, like, the moment I realised it was a noble. I still sort of have the the anxiety there. Um, but yeah, it was such like a like finals day. Honestly, if you ever get a chance to go, or anyone hasn't been that gets a chance, you have to go. It's three games. It was like beautiful weather. The Holy Stand Edge Festival was like bouncing everyone was blind like it was (laughs) the atmosphere was unbelievable um and then obviously you know the fairy tale that was it was you know a great day but yeah my my biggest i remember because obviously the moment i celebrated like in round tahir like i was off to the bleachers like just running and doing laps and giving it the big big fist bumps and i'm traditionally not a huge celebrator so as soon as the as soon as the no i saw it was a no ball my heart absolutely sank but they say like the best cricketers are the ones that can like put put what happened the ball before aside and and focus and and I just was that just was not me in the situation I was about. <laughs> I was thinking about people like seeing the celebration I was thinking about like oh the fireworks are going off I was thinking my our coach is he's, he's a legend he's a sort of an elderly South African man Adi Birrell. 
but he'd been hammered by COVID throughout the tournament and still recovering and he's got heart issues and I was thinking like, I've killed the coach like I've killed the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah I was not calm in the situation I might have looked calm I was made my, my heart sank and I was absolutely terrified that I've could be the most embarrassing loss of all time um so yeah to win and we got and to be fair I didn't know that backup fireworks there was more fireworks to come after we won again and um, yeah, to win the way we did was was unreal, and um, yeah, obviously there's some drama with Lancashire afterwards as well. But yeah, crazy. Oh, that must have been so, so. Lancashire were um, of the view that like that their players had made that second run or something like that, right? And then like uh, that just must make this team song so much sweeter. Like, oh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, it. Yeah. The beers must taste so much better. With respect to Lancashire, do the same in reverse or whatever, and I'm. I'm thinking about James Vince. He must be having a great time as well. Also want to know, like, the the field changed in between those two balls as well. Was that like a – was that a – did you know that was happening as well? Was that a, Was that just a masterstroke? Just like, look, no one's going to know that we've changed the field, uh, even though it was a no ball or whatever. I wish. Like, we just didn't even think. We just changed it. So, basically, Vince, brought everyone in because um, – Obviously, everyone had celebrated mad. Everyone taking a stump and run over and run around, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Like, um, and he brought everyone in. They put all the stumps back in. And we got in a huddle because we're waiting for the smoke to clear. And, <laughs> and he basically just wanted – they needed – because it's a no ball. Over there in the blast, the no ball is two runs as well as a yeah. free hit. Yeah. Um, so it meant they needed, yeah, two to tie. And if they tied, they won. So basically, we wanted to get everyone in just so everyone was aware of the scenario. We don't have anyone sitting on the rope. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then we just got to the top of my mark and, and we just spoke about having a mid-wicket in. Um, we just didn't think. Like, it wasn't – yeah, I don't know. I, like, I can't even remember if I had a mid-wicket the ball before. Like, that's that's where I was at. Like, I was just trying to just to win the game, right? And, um, yeah, obviously got the playing miss. And then, like, Reggie Ben McDermott ran to the stumps and it was <laughs> – the play was four metres past the stumps. He was standing at the stumps and took the bails. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't help. I can't help but feel like they were clutching at straws a little bit there. And you know, at the end of the day, they needed after the after the power play, they needed six and over, um, or six and a half and over. Like it was, if that was the game, if that where the game was won and lost, it wasn't there, you know. Um, and there was a few things in our, like in our batting innings, there was a couple of of issues. There was one point where they had too many fielders outside the ring, and where we're yelling out to the umpires, the bowlers running in, and then. The umpires had seen and they realised after the ball's been bowled and they brought him in and then it was just like an honesty policy. And then our captain was like, no. So there could have been a no ball for us there and another ball and extra. Like it's there's in every cricket game you can find runs somewhere. Oh yeah. Um, but in that scenario with they're trying to say they ran two with the wicketkeeper at the start, like I just <laughs> it, it just it, I don't know. It, it just yeah, it felt like the clutching straws a little bit. Sounds like just unbelievable pressure that you mightn't have even been aware about at the time, like given like you've celebrated. So there's potentially you could have been turned into a meme uh, where you just, you know, celebrate and you lose the next ball. And then you're just about to kill the coach because he's had COVID and heart issues. Uh, and you're also a professional athlete. It just sound, it sounds, it sounds insane, but like, um, I, I suppose you're, you're, it's almost indicative of your career. Generally, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, ups and downs and moving around and stuff. But, um, when you got picked up by Punjab in the second stage of the IPL, when it um, moved to the UAE, were you were you expecting any sort of call, or did that sort of come out of nowhere for you? And and where were you when you when you when you got that call? 
Um, I was in quarantine. And at that point, uh, so I'd just been to Bangladesh. I'd just taken the hat trick on, on, on debut. So I think obviously, you know, there was quite a lot of traction in the subcontinent with that sort of stuff. Um, but in the, in the past with drafts, I'd been in the draft a few, the year before and you get, I'm going, to, I'm going to know now that every draft, every team will be like, oh, yeah, we're interested just because they can. Why wouldn't they say it? But, like, when I first get into drafts and you hear that, you go, oh, I'm going to get picked up by <laughs> such and such. Every draft, you know, every draft someone says, oh, yeah, we're interested in you or we're thinking about it. Um, and now I'm like, well, why wouldn't they say that? Um, yeah. And then you're not being let down. Uh, but, yeah, this time, yeah, there's quite a few pullouts. And as I said, they were going to the UAE and they, yeah, just got the call. And um, I think uh, there was... I was potentially going somewhere else as well. I think it might have been KKR, but I, th- I was more likely to play at Punjab. So I was, I'll just, I'll just go there. And um, at that point, I was in quarantine and was going to have to go straight away again. So it was, it was a great phone call. But then the next phone call was um, to the missus saying, "You're going to be on your own for a little while longer." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned the the hat trick on debut for Australia. Uh, I like how you said that as well. Um, and <laughs> just in case you didn't know, uh, <laughs> you know that that's it. That's amazing. You know that's an amazing thing to have achieved in and of itself. And probably rather disrespectful of me to then say, then someone asked you while you're wearing a watch. Um, <laughs> this this old thing. So how, yeah. <laughs> yes. So how was it to take the hat trick and the what watch were you wearing? <laughs> uh yeah, that like the whole the whole um, week was amazing because I went on that trip and it's going to sound weird and like in the, in the years you know in twenty years time when I'm describing it's because I was the the travelling reserve where you go on all these tours and you train and and you actually aren't allowed to be selected to play. Um, so we we were in the Caribbean for a month, two months or eight weeks or six six weeks before that couldn't play and I was just there being a netballer, you know, running drinks, um, all that sort of stuff. And then we had a couple of injuries. So then it became, okay, I'm officially in the squad. I, was, I felt like I was bowling really well. We had like uh, centre wicket matches. It doesn't mean much at all, but I felt like I was bowling really well and I forgot the chance. And then we got to Bangladesh and I was in the in, officially in the squad because I think Finchie hurt his knee and, and Riley Meredith did his side. Um, and basically, I got told it was a five-game series. So at some point, you're going to play. So then I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then got my chance. And the, and the, and the day itself was, was awesome. Um, obviously, it, it kind of sucks in, in, with the COVID stuff that none of my family was able to be there. And that's sort mm. of been the story. My, my, the progression of my career sort of aligned with the, the, the pandemic, right? So mm. this whole time, all this amazing stuff's happened. And none of my family and friends have been able to, to be there or to see it. Um, but it was really cool to have. I had like Wadey, he was captaining in replace in, in replace of Finchie, and um, so to have him there was cool. And, and had Ben McDermott and and a few other guys. I played with Moses on Riggs in Sydney, and so it was cool to have them there. And um, yeah, the game, the, the wickets over there were diabolical. Because there was some some um, safety issues as well as the the pandemic. We played all five games at the one stadium. And for a team, like usually you want hard, fast T20 wickets, it's 200, 200 plus. And these were like, if you got to three figures, you win. Um, so I bowled 24 balls and I reckon 22 of them were slower balls. It was, that was sort of <laughs> it was, it was just fast off spin. Um, 
Yeah, and then I, I potentially my first game I didn't did, didn't bowl as well as I'd hoped. Um, but yeah, the last over it was party time for them, and they were coming pretty hard, and I managed to get the the captain, Mamadoula, um, and then it was into the tail from there. So it was just just trying to do yeah, just it was a great catch as well from Ashtonega for the hat trick, and um, yeah. It, I look back at the photos now, and again, it doesn't feel quite like it happened. Like, um, yeah, amazing. I, I, I seem to remember. I might be wrong about this, but I, th- I think I'm right in saying that I don't think that series was even broadcast into Australia. Um, and so you have like friends and family watching your debut on a fucking like a VPN. Is that like did, Probably, did, were yeah. they able to watch it? Yeah, yeah, and it was late, like dusty YouTube streams, or the only people because basically. <laughs> the people that like that, people know that it wasn't broadcast in Australia, so there were some platforms that were just going to buy it last minute to get it real cheap. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I can't yeah. remember. I think it was a. I think it was Sportsbet. So you had to. So all my mates who have Sportsbet accounts or don't, they had to sign up, put five bucks, put five bucks into a Sportsbet account, and then you can watch Australia <laughs> Game Three, Australia Bangladesh at, in Dhaka. <laughs> you know, when you went to bed at age six thinking about yes. your debut, you know. It... <laughs> sorry. Some of my, yeah, some of my mates are going, oh, sorry, man, I was just uh, race five shut in. It's funny. Um, have, you got, yeah. have you got any hat tricks before in life? Are you, you, I'm sure you've got something in junior cricket. Yeah, I've got uh, two before and like uh, underage, underage stuff. Underage stuff. I've still got, still got the balls, still got the balls yeah. sitting at home in a mantle in, in my bedroom. Um, yeah, it's. I think, you know, some could argue in in, in T Twenty cricket it was a bit of a bit of highway robbery, but um, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Oh, there's yeah. always going to be someone in cricket who uh, does course. that. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sort of about... last, last over, was it last over? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cricket. <laughs> Sam North has just hit 410 not out, you know. There's a, there's already 20 reasons why that's not a good innings. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, because people are insecure. Hey, um, <laughs> just, just on that, you, you know, you must, um, I don't know, really know what you meant to say about this, but like, you, you know, the T20 World Cup's around the corner here in Australia. You have to imagine you're pretty close to the side. Uh, I know this. I mean, what are you going to say on this show? But uh, you know, do, do you feel you're good, you're you're a good shake at making that fifteen? I I don't know. I mean, I was I had a really great like the World Cup in 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 the UAE. I was again the travelling reserve, so I wasn't in the fifteen, but I was. It was one of the best experiences of my life, um, and it's made me like knowing that this one was up and coming in Australia. Again, I haven't played in front of my friends or family or I haven't played for Australia at home. Mm-hmm. So it's just made me want it so much more. And that was sort of the um, catalyst for me playing the blast and trying to push for the 100 was just trying to play as much white ball cricket leading into this World Cup to put my name out there. I think like the, the perfect example was Josh Inglis last year. He, he wasn't in the Australian system and then went dominated the blast and, and did okay in the 100 and, and then now he's, you know, you know, in the Aussie squad and, and you know, not looking like missing out. Um, so that was de- definitely was one eye on this World Cup. And there's obviously a 50 ever World Cup next year. And um, I hope, yeah, I hope I can just keep pushing my claim. And, and um, if, I'm, if I'm close, that's a good thing. And then if someone, you know, unfortunately would go down or whatever, I could, I could be in the mix. But 
yeah, it's all I want to do, mate. Is to imagine just mm. playing a you know home T Twenty World Cup in front of your friends mm. and family. Yeah, I imagine that wouldn't be on Sportsbet Stream either. So <laughs> you never know. You know, <laughs> you know. a bit of money yeah, there. They, they, they got deep pockets. Oh, look, just on that. Sorry, so just he goes. Just fucking follow up on that. Um, it's just a question that's come into my head. You're talking about putting yourself in the window uh, and and getting your name out there ahead of some of these big tournaments and using the blast for that. That that last ball for Hampshire to to win the blast at the at the like the pro cricket level or the industry level is I'm trying to get these words right, but like is the delivery of a no ball on the on what will be the last ball would that outweigh the fact that you've actually iced it twice um, in terms of people's uh, views of whether you handled that situation well? Because what I hear from most people is like. That's incredible. That's an incredible ability to actually gather yourself and then execute an, a, a wonderful ball to finish off, right? Or, or do people at the highest level go like, oh, you know, that was, you know, like the same guy who told yeah. you you were wearing a watch when you took a hat trick, you know, be like, ah, oh, but you delivered the noe, you know? I think, I think, um, I, oh, it's just a funny one. I think because no balls get hyped up, but obviously it's quite an entertainment has quite a inter- lot of entertainment value for for the for the viewer when a no ball happens to get a free hit. But I, I think they're a part. Obviously, they shouldn't be sort of just a one percenter, um, but they are a part of cricket. So you can't. I, I don't want to ever go into a game going. I'm terrified of bowling a no ball. I don't want to bowl a no ball. It, it, it happens. But the thing we've got to be able to do is execute the free hit. That's mm. the that's the biggest part because no balls are a part of cricket. Um, when we cast, I'd hope I hope that's not looked at as a under pressure. Yeah, like well, do you think it helped no or hindered but... your chances? You know, of making that all yeah. you so good because you know, every, every, like it's a, it was a huge moment. And I, like for me, I was yeah. just like, that's incredible that you actually just got the your cojones out again and just yeah. went back of a length slower ball uh, yeah. that could that could go anywhere. So um, I don't know how no, you really was, meant to answer. Yeah. I just think it's incredible. It's just an incredible sequence of events, really. Yeah, and it's and again, it's something that I didn't think like I would never think about it at the time, and obviously now watching back or to like to the just to untrained eyes like, oh, man, just get your football on the line and so well, I, didn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. trying to just i was just take trying your to mark as back fast as i could at his foot that's all I was, yeah. I was just trying to bowl as fast as i could as his foot um because there's a lot comes into it they because they played the first game right so they watched our game the middle game right and, and in in the death in that game i bowled so many slow balls so i was like the whole time I'm like they're waiting for it they're waiting for it so then i was like I'm just going to try and bowl this as fast. Like they need a six to win. I'm going to bowl as fast as I can. And then obviously just overstride it a little bit. Mm. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably more of a concern that the no ball is actually because he chucked it. That's probably more of a concern. <laughs> um, it wasn't a front foot. That's the. <laughs> extra yard. Extra yard. Yeah. Um, just, just last one, Nathan. Um, I mean, we've talked about it on the pod earlier and, and you're a prime candidate for discussion in, in this conversation, but like, you know, what, how, how are you looking at the really fast rise of like domestic franchise or league T20 cricket um, around the world? Like, and, and that question of like, you know, this summer that the BBL now has the South Africa comp, almost running up against it and a, a comp in the UAE as well. Um, he may already be under contract, so it's not a question, but like, how do you look at something like that now? You know, it, would, would your view towards that be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm selling my labor to the highest bidder in a short career. 
or do you feel a broader um, obligation to like Australian cricket or or something like that? Like, what what are some? Because because when we ask Liam Livingston, for example. How did he? How, what principles does he use to make his decision? He started laughing as I was asking him. Like, I imagine he would have had a more expensive watch on than that. <laughs> <laughs> how do you think about those things? No, I think oh, just it's it's still sort of unfolding. I think because I think you know there have been lots of leagues, you know, uh, that were trying to start around the world over the last x amount of years that hadn't got up and running um obviously the uae league is going to happen and the south africa leagues you know looks like it's going to happen too um so i fully understand that you know an international player or a big dog around the world trying to get as you say get the most out of their career you know you weigh up you know three and a half weeks in south africa and a month in the uae as opposed to two two months in australia we might we might have restrictions, COVID restrictions, all those sort of things. So I, I'm fully aware that there are challenges that the Big Bash is going to face in terms of um, attracting the best, the biggest and the best players to come over just because of, you know, the money and, and, and the shorter competitions. But for me, as I said before, I'm, I'm trying to play for Australia and that's my goal. That's uh, simple as that. And I, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel an obligation. It's not an obligation, but I want the Big Bash to succeed. I love the Big Bash and I love... Um, like I, my first thought is like a sunny day down in Bell Reef. It doesn't happen, happen often, but a sunny day down in Bell Reef with a packed hill, hurricanes are playing. Like I just, I love that feeling. I love being able to play in front of your home country or your home fans and giving, you know, the Australian, because we're such a big cricketing nation. It would, it would, it would, it would be such a shame if, you know, the big bash was sort of to, to go by the wayside just because they're bigger um, tournaments around the world. But, it, and then again, saying that I'm in, a different part of my life and cricketing career to others. There might be some sort of at the back end of their career where you couldn't, you couldn't argue with them if they said, well, I'm, I'm not far from done. I'm going to go and try and, you know, fill my pockets and, and play around the world and, and set up my family. For, you know, you're like there, there are totally. different, yeah, there are different um, career paths or different yeah stages in careers that will, We'll have different questions for where you play and when you play. I just, as I said, I, I, it's not an obligation, but I just really want the big bash to succeed. And, I, and I'm not sure how they can, I'm not sure what the strategy is to compete. I think the draft thing's quite cool. Um, I just hope we get, it, it works and we get the biggest and best players. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is to, to, to try and compete with these, with these tournaments, but yeah, we're going to have to try, try and bring a, a strong product. Nice one. Well, and the play the players do own the big bash, I think, as far as I understand. So it's in your interest to um to build it. Um anyway, stop with all the like nerd questions to you. Thanks so much, <laughs> uh Nathan. Really, really appreciate it. And great to talk to someone who's um you know, th- there has to be a hall of fame for international cricketers who've played every grade. Uh, you can tell that it's had an effect on you, uh, in in a good way, hopefully. So mate, really appreciate your time. Uh and all the Got best. A gambling for- addiction. <laughs> Thank you very much to Nathan uh, for his time uh, over there in the UK. Pez, um, we are now going to thank our sponsor, Manscaped. Now, 
Um, we are about to embark on a journey. This, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, Pez and I are flying out to India just for a couple of days on Monday. That yeah. day is tomorrow. And I am ready for absolutely everything and anything. I'm expecting not to sleep for a bit. People have already said in the comments across, uh, you know, um, Instagram posts, YouTube, Facebook, whatnot, a couple of tweets, a couple of DMs, um, that that's going to be one of the all-time circuits, the Bangalore circuit with TJC really? in town. Yes, that is the case. Now, I am expecting anything to happen at customs. It could be a strip search. I could be interrogated. There could be, there could be rubber gloves. But you know what I'll be ready for? I'll be ready with Manscaped. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be streamlined. I'll be streamlined going through that customs check. Yeah. Now you, I'm not sure you're aware of this, but you might have to go through some um, some monkeypox um, uh, quarantining because I've read that the other day going into Darwin. I'm now announcing this. I'm just announcing this on the show. But yeah, do you know about this? Uh, no, I don't. It's, no, it's, what, it's what happens specifically sp- specifically if you come back from Indonesia. Now that's not different. That's India. It's a different place. Yeah, that's entirely. a different country. Mate. It's a different country entirely. Don't don't let us so confused. But um, there's a monkeypox issue going on at the moment. Um, no wait, am I getting two things confused? Monkeypox. Well, <laughs> oh, let's. Well, the most important <laughs> thing is we need to figure this out on there. Because monkeypox this morning got announced as a as a uh, global um, fucking hell. I'm, I'm fucking swimming now. <laughs> get, get, paddling, get, get paddling. Get paddling. Get <laughs> yeah, paddling. It's like it was a it was a state of emergency globally. Love to see how World this organization. Why why you must purchase manscapes as a result of this news? <laughs> let's see where it goes. Let's yeah. see if I can let's see if I can bring this back. This is one of the all-time challenges. Yeah, go, go. So, monkeypox um, is a global something. That's where we're up to. No, 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 no. no. I think I'm, I might be... Yeah, so monkeypox yeah, is a global state of emergency as, as announced by WHO this morning. All right. That's on Sunday. But I'm also getting those confused with um, foot and mouth disease, <laughs> which is, like, I think, if you're coming through Indonesia, going into Darwin, which is where you live, then you have to do some sort of quarantining. Now, you're not coming through Indonesia, but you are going no. to Darwin. So use the code TJC. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, where I thought you were going with that was that, like, look, there's all manner of scenarios you may like to have your um, your pubic hair trimmed in. And one might be if you have to endure a strip search. Is that what you kind of... Is that what you're kind of yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. But then I, then I had all this other information in my head about quarantining and customs and... Uh, Mate, there's a lot going on in my head. We're doing a live show in a day's time. Uh, I've got to get a visa sorted. I've got to print some shit off. Uh, yeah. I've got to publish this episode. Um, got some well, other stuff going on. Well, uh, well, there is a there is a there is a manscaped product alert, mate. Anyway, insert oh, siren, is there? sirens here. Yeah, lads, <laughs> you asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped are bringing the ultra smooth package to Australia. It's time to stop, drop, and order this premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shave for your balls. Mm. But if you're looking for a closer shave to go bare down there, and I am, <laughs> <laughs> then the Ultra Smooth Package is the perfect mm. set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off plus free shipping at mass.com with the code TJC. Um, I, 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 are you in the market to go bare? He goes. Well, it's not a bear market. I can't market. say I am. No, it's not a. Is it? Uh, I don't know what it was. If you're in crypto, it is. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a specialized <laughs> the, the the ultra smooth package is a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> you know, I'd like. What would you like for your groin? I'd like to shave the hair around there, yeah. But would you like to buff, protect, and smooth it? Um, you got your crop exfoliator, your crop gel. Men, you no longer have to borrow your ladies' razor for that precise trim. Mate, mate, I'm still thinking about one of the all-time worst ad reads I've ever done in the last two minutes, where I've invoked monkeypox, <laughs> Indonesia, foot and mouth disease. India, you being in Darwin, and Mate. a live show in Bangalore. Mate. I don't know what the fuck's going on. My no, head's gone. Kept, you nail it. You nail it. <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting bulk minutes here, these coats. Yeah, they are. Uh, That's true. Look, I just want to look at the, the Ultra Smooth Package. It's a three-step kit to make your package the perfect package. Exfoliate, gel, and shave. What the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> if you're exfoliating <laughs> your... <laughs> your pubes. Mate, what are they? What are they doing to the industry, mate? They, we've we've come a long way from just spraying a bit of like mate. um a bit a bit of Lynx Africa on your Lynx. dick. <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way, haven't we? <laughs> I used to spray Lynx Africa on my dick, and now I use the crop exfoliator, crop gel, and shave. <laughs> and my wife really likes me. Uh, look, uh, so you can get all that. They're vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free <sighs> products. Uh, Fucking hell. Yeah, they're the best tools for the job. The ultra-smooth package from Manscaped. Get 20% off us for assuming TJC Manscaped.com. Yeah. Hey, look, it's it's good It's good shit. It, look, don't get us wrong. It's good shit. Uh, but yeah, man, Manscaped.com if you want that. You, you'll already know if you want it. You're already sold. Whew. Hashtag AskTGC Fridays at patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. The Hall of Fame episodes, a three-part series, goes for just under three hours, I think, from memory. Uh, the top 25 questions that we've ever been asked uh, on the 302 episodes of this program. Uh, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. If you want that, it's $5 or $10 US a month. You sign up, it goes into your podcast feed. It's easy. It's fucking easy. If you want it, if you want to cry in your car, if you want to cry when you're doing the dishes, if you want to cry when you're walking out to bat because you listen to your iPod uh, when you're walking out to bat because it's 2008. Patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Hashtag RCDC. Pez, do you want to read this one? Sure. Uh, Emran writes in. Hashtag RCDC. Bye. Congratulations on your 200th regular YouTube episode and 100 patron hashtag AskTGC show. I mean, I couldn't call it a YouTube episode, but anyway. Um, thanks for the great content in our still COVID-infected times. As I listen to the AskTGC Hall of Fame trilogy, I can't help but notice that a significant amount of, the deal, uh, of them deal with fathers and father figures. I myself have no cricket-related issues with my dad, who uh, was largely content to leave me be when he saw how inept I was at sports in general, and cricket in particular. But as I am now a father to a five-and-a-half, bracket six-year-old girl, I find myself unsure as to how to proceed. Given you have not yet installed capture mechanisms to keep me out, I thought I would write in. <laughs> Some context. <laughs> my daughter has until recently showed no inclination towards cricket whatsoever, and all was well. 
As far as sport was concerned, she enjoyed the various winter codes we practice in this country, kicking the occasional soccer ball, throwing a basket or netball, or even punting the occasional Sharon, even though we live roughly 3,000 kilometres east of Broken Hill here in Auckland. So by the time I started listening to the grade cricketer, I was relieved. At least I wouldn't accidentally fuck her psyche growing up by giving her a love for this game. This changed suddenly last summer when I was watching New Zealand play against Bangladesh in a hard-fought drawn test series. As a Bangladeshi New Zealander, I was obviously engrossed by both the cricket on display and inner turmoil caused by my mixed loyalties. Every now and then, my little girl would come sit next to me and watch her YouTube vids on her iPad while I was watching the slow-moving action unfold. At some point, she was so sick of the sheer amount of time I was spending on cricket that she chirped, why would anyone watch cricket when you could watch football or basketball? I nodded at her and smiled with relief. Clearly things were going well, at least on this front. But soon I began to notice certain changes in her behaviour. She would take a stick and look at herself in the mirror, roll her arms over her shoulder, and talk under her breath every time I told her to do something she didn't want to do. It all finally culminated with her asking me to throw balls at her while she had a stick. Apparently at some point, before I started listening to the grade cricketer, I had bought her kids crickets, a kids cricket set with a plastic bat which she held excitedly. She set herself up some stumps and immediately went into what can only be described as a hybrid Steve Smith late stage Shivnarine Chanderpaul stance. Not being a psychopath, I took soft, a softball and had a few throws at her and she perfectly blocked every delivery. And this has now, I'm sorry to say, become a regular occurrence. So my questions, I guess, are, one, is there a way to stop this alarming pro-cricket behavior now, or should I talk to the wife and we start setting some money aside for her future therapy bills now? Let me tell you one thing for free, I'm not giving up my weekends to watch anyone's kids play cricket, especially not miss blocks a lot. Two, how much culpability do I, as a parent, assume for transferring my pro-cricket behavior to my offspring? I can forgive my father and their generation as they didn't have a podcast like yours to advise them correctly. Three, and most important, given how expertly my daughter, Steve Smith and Chanderpaul are at with their stances, do the young kids have a point with the off-stump guard? Jeez. I think a, I think a better question ultimately, Pez, is um, could you possibly love your spawn if they batted like Shiv Chanderpaul? <laughs> I mean, you know, I remember, I remember, I was in the UK at the time when Graham Smith was at his absolute pomp, yeah. and I think he hit back-to-back double hundreds yep. in the UK at the time yep. against England. And I, th- someone that I played <clears throat> played with at my club in the UK, mm. said that um, if he was playing on the ground in front of your house, you'd close the blinds, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. And I thought, yeah, because it's. It's a tough watch, isn't it? Now, Chanderpaul, someone asked a while ago, I'm not sure if we read it or not, but it's stuck in my head. Like, why isn't he considered as a turn one of the all-time greats? I mean, he's got, I think he's got like 10,000 test runs, Chanderpaul. 8,000. That's something you can, uh, someone's going to let me know how dumb I am. Um, Anyway, he's got heaps of runs, but he's not really considered as like in in the bracket of, you know, the greatest in the generation, is he? Like, he's fucking low on the list, and there's a reason for that. First of all, he played mostly with a guy who was one of the best ever, Brian Lara. So he's automatically relegated to, like, next cab. Um, and also, it's just all very yuck, isn't it? It's very yuck. It's oh, it, economical. Oh it's, oh, it's dreadful. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. So, Emra, I'm not really going to ask 
answer any of your questions. But I was thinking, like, if you had a choice, if you were, if you were, if you fathered a, a child, male or female, and then they became a triathlete, you'd want them to perform in the right manner, wouldn't you? Like, like you want them to be Federer of tennis. Like Federer is going to finish third all time, most majors, but he he'll he'll always be the best for me because it was the best looking. Because Djokovic is a coat and Nadal won all of them on clay. So it's yes. you want your, you you'd want your pro athlete child to be just fucking sensational on the eye when they perform. Yeah. It mate, I think you've really distilled the essence of this question because if you flip it and the daughter is we're accepting that she's potentially a, a cricket prodigy. Yeah. I think if he's six years old and you pick up a bat and you just perfectly block it. You know, um, yeah. that's like six-year-olds can't really do that usually. And twenty-six-year-olds can't do that. If that if that if that technique looks like AB De Villiers, then yeah. you know you're you're um, the you're Richard Williams. You know, you're you're, you're the father of the, of the, of the Williams sisters, <laughs> right, and you're putting right, your right. jack, you're putting your your kid on, and you're you're selling them to brands. Basically, yeah, uh, and yep. and Nick Bolotero's tennis academy and stuff. That's what you do. <laughs> um, but if the child looks like Shiv Chanderpaul, then yeah, you know you're you're putting yourself into therapy because you don't love your child anymore. You know you're wondering yeah. why do I feel nothing for this child. Yeah. Uh, so I see his problem, and that's why he's calling yeah. her Miss Blocks a lot and things like that. Yeah, I do like yeah. in this question how he sort of implies that that her love of cricket is due to him. And it may be that she actually was just watching Kane Williamson bat or something and just went, this is mm. great. This is great stuff. My dad happens this to be really here. This is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as for the off stump guard, I, 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 I don't mind it. You know, I don't mind the off stump guard. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. But he, I think the big, the big question mm. is, yeah, like, how do you come to terms with your child being Shivnarayan Chanderpaul reincarnate? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yes, it's eight you, to ten. Yes, reconcile. it's eight to ten thousand test runs. <laughs> yeah, yes, and, and yes, it's happiness for your child delivering on her calling in life. Right, which is all you could ask yes. for as a parent. Yes, it's that. Yes, but you yeah. have to watch it. Yeah. You've you got to be to, there for every single one of those eight to ten thousand test runs. You have to <sighs> subject it to the eye. <laughs> thanks very much to Vish for coming on the show thank you very much to Nathan Ellis we'll be in India by the time we listen to this that's exciting for us follow us on the old socials and uh, you can watch us hopefully just fucking dominating some kids and some straight cricket or some shit <laughs> see you guys later cheers <laughs>